0: I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of February 2021, and we are in the midst of our sports movie month. Um, Actually, we're at the finale of it, Mm -hmm. uh, the final episode, the final week. And once again, I had the pick And it looks like it it took all month long, but we finally came across one that, you know, just isn't that great. (laughs) Uh, So for my pick uh, for the finale of Sports Movie Month, I selected uh, Gavin O'Connor's Warrior from 2011, uh, which deals with the sport of mixed martial arts. Uh, So one thing that we like to do uh, when we do our sports movie Uh, Episodes here is uh, just share a little something about our personal background um, with the sport in question. Uh, So in this case, uh, mixed martial arts. um, Shit, I have, (laughs) I have kind of a rocky relationship with this shit. (laughs) Um, So let me elaborate on that. So um, as we detailed uh, exhaustively, uh, because it was one of my episodes uh, last week. Um, when we talked about Crying Fist, a, a film about boxing. Excellent film. Uh, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I was very happy to revisit that one. Um, I, I'm a lifelong boxing fan. It's it's the one true sport that I'm very, very passionate about, and I, I never get tired of learning about and, and studying up on. Um, and because of that, and because of the era in which I was raised, um, mixed martial arts was always kind of viewed as like a little bit of a rival to boxing um that that has that attitude has kind of come and gone honestly like i th- I think we've reached a space where both could be appreciated as two completely separate things um but when the ufc not not mixed martial arts but the ufc brand um was just rampaging across the airwaves and whatnot um boxing fans like me were like i don't know about this shit <laughs> it's, like, it's like they're making a lot of noise and they're getting a huge fan base And it feels like it's detracting from the thing that i actually love uh so like when when the ufc like when they had their ultimate fighter reality show and things just like really sprung to life and it it became a like a a mainstream brand to some extent i yeah my, my general attitude towards it was i wasn't a big fan i didn't like it and most of that honestly it didn't have to do with the product like the Martial arts are something I, I have a great appreciation for. Just fighting and combat in general. Actually, honestly, just body mechanics. Like, I, I just like bodies in motion. It's a thing that's endlessly fascinating to me, but bodies that are uh, in conflict with each other is doubly fascinating to me. So the concept of mixed martial arts works for me great. Um, the brand of yeah. the UFC, especially in the late two thousands, absolutely did not. I I detested uh, their their branding and marketing. Uh, the the theme song for their their telecasts, that
1: so hard to sleep I don't even.
0: <laughs> All that shit. Oh my! And like the affliction brand stuff, the tap out stuff, like all the energy drinks and like all the xbox logos all over the ring and shit all that stuff like that image Mm -hmm. was just oh my god this is the this this is the worst aspects of american culture being exported to the entire planet in the form of a sport that gif of that that guy with just bleed painted on his chest yeah. That's what the UFC was in the late 2000s to me.
1: And I don't blame you, and honestly, if you are walking around right now in a tap-out shirt without cauliflower ear, take it off. you That's the only reason why you should be wearing one of those.
0: Yeah, and you probably can't afford it either. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, mixed martial arts has since, I've, it's grown on me um, in recent years, but for kind of sad reasons, um, because I kind of talked about this a little bit last week, but boxing is these days a, a niche sport um, and it's on the decline at least in America anyway uh, North America um, and the, basically the reason why I know as much as I do about mixed martial arts and the UFC in particular is just because it's a they, they know how to market themselves um, their people they're the people in their offices like the publicists and whatnot, are, are top men <laughs> like like managing the, the Ark of the Covenant top men. Um because they have a twenty four hour news cycle, um, for the sport of MMA. Boxing does not have that. <laughs> Things happen in boxing every once in a while. <laughs> it's like if you if you pull up a boxing news site, it'll usually be like so and so said they might do something three months from now. Maybe. If the price is right. <laughs> it's like okay, cool. Whereas mma it's just every five minutes there's something on twitter there's something on every news blog you can imagine it's just it's so much that it's it's so much more approachable it's so much easier to follow so it it's a much better managed product than boxing um and because of that it's it's not even that i'm passionate about it's just it's always there Mm -hmm. it's it's like the daytime sitcom like like the syndicated reruns of seinfeld or friends or something it's just like it's just in the case of seinfeld that's an that's a legit great show in the case of friends it's like it's out of convenience yeah it it was just on all the time so eventually i just started watching it and got cozy with it and that's that's me and, and mma but um it's funny though like like before like the ufc really had its big moment in the mid to late 2000s like um, before that, MMA, to me, was uh, VHS tapes at Blockbuster that I wasn't allowed to rent. Yeah, um, The original <laughs> UFC contest with no fucking rules and shit.
1: Just Tank Abbott killing somebody, yeah.
0: Yeah, Tank Abbott murdering people. Um, the famous, like, sumo wrestler versus John from down the street matches. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that one boxer guy who was asked to wear one glove on one of his hands because apparently he was too good or something. Um, And, of course, the the Gracie family just, like, introducing Brazilian jiu-jitsu to the world. Like, I knew about that stuff in the 90s, but, like I said, I wasn't allowed to rent those videos. But my older brother told me about them and stuff.
1: Yeah, I think the Gracie's were the orange juice and the vodka. I think that it was just a fucking bloodbath. And then like, let's calm down and bring some technique into this, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember they were very, that was, uh, the Gracie's were very big early on.
0: Oh yeah, no. They they revolutionized the the concept of of fighting, basically. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you mean you can just tie people up and you don't even have to have big burly muscles and stuff? You just have leverage and and joint manipulation. Cool.
1: If you go now and look up Tank Abbott knockout highlights, it's terrifying to see him put grown men into positions that they should not be. In. He gave dudes strokes. <laughs> like, it was insane. Uh, you guys should not be allowed to punch people.
0: I'm sorry to put you on the spot, Kyle, but said highlight reel, um, and it has to be in like 240p. Yeah. Uh, like it, it can't be in 1080p. This has to be like shit VHS tape, like yeah. replicated footage. What What song or what band would be playing over this highlight reel?
1: Oh, uh, what song would be playing over this highlight reel? it have to be Godsmack. That's the only thing I can think of.
0: Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't want to put you on the spot, but I was just curious, because um, those particular types of music videos generally have a vibe to them. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds like you nailed the, you hit it right on the head there. But um, aside from that, uh, my early experiences with MMA um, were mostly uh, Pride. Um, the Japanese fighting tournaments, it was, it was more... Akin to like kickboxing without rules, as opposed to like what we have now. Like it's also contested in like a, a standard boxing ring. Um, that was wonderful. Uh, are they gonna box and kick?
1: <laughs> oh, oh my okay. god!
0: <laughs> That's a joke that needs to find its way into some movie somewhere. <laughs> it's like oh my god, are they gonna box and kick? And kick. <laughs> like, you don't say. Huh. <laughs> like, uh, but you, Kyle, uh, what what is your background with uh, mixed martial arts?
1: Yeah, I uh, was kind of into MMA in high school. Um, I got in before the douche wave came in. Uh, the, <laughs> is that what we're calling it? The douche wave, yeah, because that's what happened. It was the douche it was. wave. Yeah. Uh, because wrestling, like now, boxing is not really big. Wrestling is not a big; it's not a popular sport. Uh, it's big in the Olympics, which actually I don't even think it's going to be in the Olympics
0: anymore. from Last I heard. Oh. Um, I think the Tokyo Olympics, if they happen, uh, because you know they've already been delayed at least a year. Um, There's really the Japanese government is actually pushing very hard. In fact, I have a buddy living in Tokyo right now. Um, he actually told me like the Olympic commissioner or whatever got fired or something recently. So I was like, oh god, are we ever going to get an <laughs> Olympics? Um, but I uh, I think I read an article um, from a a prominent american wrestler who said that there's plans to televise the wrestling uh, in this this upcoming olympics the olympics
1: Um, are ancient and wrestling has been a part of it pretty much since the beginning so why the fuck would you take it out so i'm just saying but yeah so uh, wrestling in high school i think i mentioned this on vision quest like that was really the only sport that's closely related to wrestling um that because it's the only sport that really utilizes it so we, we got into watching it. We'd go over to our buddies' houses, uh, watch and watch UFC fights. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but early on, it, we, it was really we were really about the heavyweights. Like we didn't really have our our, our little guys back then. Like we didn't really care. It was like we want to see Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, uh, Ken Shamrock, which uh, uh, yeah.
0: he burned <laughs> he burned
1: out pretty quick. Uh, but those are your those are your big names. Like Kurt uh, Kurt Angle. Uh, he comes up in this movie. Uh, but like Chuck Liddell was like the poster boy for the UFC early on. I feel.
0: Yes, uh, very much so. Um, Chuck and Tito, uh, they're that's a rivalry big rivalry. Was, yeah, yeah, that was a really big one. And then in later years, guys like Brock Lesnar would come in and really make waves. And of course, we're still in in the midst of like the Conor McGregor's and whatnot.
1: Like, it's it's been so long since I've been watching it, so, like, I know the Diaz brothers, uh, Machida I really liked, uh, Anderson Silva, like, these are really, really excellent fighters. Now, they're like, these guys are fighting this week, and I'm like, I don't know who the fuck these people are, I have no idea who these people are. I know who Conor McGregor is at this point, and that fucking, uh, who's that guy, uh, is it Khabib? Uh, yeah, Habib, Khabib.
0: Habib, uh, Nurmagomedov. Who, who's the big Cuban dude? Uh, Yoel Romero. Yes, Romero. Uh, who, funny enough, um, I, I wasn't sure when this was going to come up. Yoel Romero is actually fighting someone who is in this film, uh, I think a few weeks from now, or if, if not like a month from now. Uh, I'll watch the uh, highlights. An- Anthony Johnson. Okay. Um, Anthony Rumble Johnson. So Yoel actually was fired from the UFC oh. very recently. he Um, he now belongs to bellator i think his price tag was just too high okay and uh he had a few i think he had a couple of consecutive losses nothing too big gotcha um but yeah i know what you mean about like all the like not quite fully understanding the landscape right now and a lot of that actually has to do with the talent pool being too deep it's deep yeah like like i said um i think before we started recording the shit's constantly getting better um and like the advancements in mixed martial arts have come a long way and just like sports science as well like these these people are getting all the good shit in the gym uh either legal or non-legal but um yeah it's also funny that you point out that like you you guys were into the the heavier weights because uh that was actually an objection that i had to to mixed martial arts for a long time or at least the UFC, ufc specifically was that as a boxing fan um you come to accept and embrace the idea of watching smaller competitors uh, just because that's honestly where a lot of the talent ends up. And that's actually part of the appeal for me anyway about boxing is that for um, a long time, especially when I was much younger, um, sometimes you you get to see really interesting contests um, between fighters from countries you'd never even fucking heard of. I think the first time I ever heard the word Slovenia, um was on a boxing broadcast because there was a person representing that country. Um You're blonde. And the other thing about <laughs> the other thing about uh boxing is that uh, there's a place for everyone of of every of every size. Uh, so you could be a minimum weight fighter, you could be like 102 and below and still have a place at the boxing table whereas UFC they didn't have a featherweight class until like the past 10 years. Uh, so the smallest the smallest weight they had um when you were watching like with your friends and stuff was 155 that's like matt hughes and forrest griffin and those dudes uriah faber was pretty small wasn't he yeah i think he was like 145 um and he probably moved up to 155 but but yeah 155 pounds to me has never been small Um, Uh. but by the ufc standards up until fairly recently that was the that was as low as they went I mean dillshaw weighs with the he fights at like one thirty five doesn't he i believe so yeah he he's that's a he's a pretty little dude it's he i think he tried twenty five recently and it didn't really go well mm. um and then he then he popped for uh not not steroids but uh e p o uh the piss stuff that? or is that like the fat burner or something i think it's a red blood cell count Oh. like it, it oxygenates your blood so it gives you more gas basically okay um Anyway, we're starting to get into the weeds here, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I want to dwell in there for just like one more minute uh, before we get to this movie that we've already kind of hinted is no, not probably not going to get a glowing reception between no. the two of us, but um, I just wanted to ask you, and again, sorry to put you on the spot, but uh, if, if you were to uh, commit to a, a martial art or mixed martial arts, you, you can answer just MMA in general, Like, what do you, what do you think you would go for?
1: Well, I noticed from looking at my pictures from wrestling in high school, I have a a weird frame where my torso is a little bit longer, like my legs are a little bit shorter than my torso would lead you to believe, (laughs) so, because I have a a picture, I was like two inches taller than this guy, but our hips were at the same height, but I was like, I was taller than him just from my torso. So I think that jiu-jitsu would probably be uh, a decent place for me to be because I don't think I've got the the length of leg to do kickboxing or Muay Thai. Um, so, yeah, I think I'd probably go with, uh, with jiu-jitsu because that would also be like going into uh, like wrestling. I think that jiu-jitsu would be a good way to segue.
0: Yeah, in, in MMA, as far as I understand, wrestling training has more to do with um, getting people to the mat and keeping them there or defending against that as opposed to actually like grappling with them there. But yeah, I would imagine those skills intersect at some point and you would have some good overlap there. Um, For me, yeah, I I would probably go the same route. Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is very fascinating to me. Um, Just on a conceptual level, it makes sense. um, And I feel like there's a lot of lessons to be learned from it. It's also like, very contact heavy which doesn't sit particularly well with me but it's a little too intimate for me yeah yeah i mean not that there's anything wrong with that (laughs) but but it's just you know the way i've lived my life up to this point it's not exactly the most comfortable (laughs) feeling Uh, i am from seattle after all yeah we don't Don't really make (laughs) eye contact yeah we don't really say hello to strangers nor do we make eye contact let alone hug each other yeah (laughs) but um yeah it would probably be bjj or a Funny enough, uh, Aikido, like Aikido demonstrations are absolutely beautiful. That and Karate, obviously. Is that what Steven Seagal like, does? Yes. Ah, uh, it's, it's one of the it's one of the true Japanese martial arts. Uh, karate is Okinawan, so that's different. But I have some Okinawan heritage, and it would be kind of cool to you know get in touch with Gam Gam's roots. Or something. Yeah. Because uh, those katas are just absolutely beautiful. I love watching them, but. Anyway, we should probably get into the movie. Uh, So this is Warrior from 2011, directed by Gavin O'Connor, who has directed a film which I know is actually a rare sports drama that you, not me, um, actually have quite a bit of appreciation for. Miracle. That would be Miracle. Yeah. Um, The Miracle on Ice, which uh, I haven't seen, but you've told me before. It's very, very good. And actually, if you look up, like, list of quality uh, sports dramas, it's often listed very high.
1: It looks like a uh, like a, a stupid Disney movie. I don't know. The cover doesn't do it justice. I think it makes well, it... It is a stupid Disney movie. I know, but it's, <laughs> it, it's not a stupid Disney movie is what I'm trying to get at. It looks like a, a stupid Disney movie, but it's, it's very good. And the story behind that movie is incredible. So it, it's definitely worth watching.
0: Yeah, um, and it needs to be said, uh, Gavin O'Connor, I want to say, actually is a talented director. Um, he, he's had a few bumps in the road here and there. The, the, the accountant is, a uh, is, has not the, not the best choice of subject matter. Um, but in terms of execution, it's, it is a film. Like it, it does, it accomplishes more than it fails at. So I'll give it that. Um, and I have heard the way back also starring Ben Affleck is very, very good. I actually would like to see that, um, but you 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 said there's a couple other directors. Yeah, I was um, gonna say that, that come to <clears throat> mind when you think of him. <laughs> uh,
1: Gavin O'Connor is the mo of the Three Stooges. That is aggro douche shit, and that is uh, <laughs> David Ayer is is right behind him. I think uh, I think that his movies are much worse. I think they both have like one solid good movie uh, under their belts, uh, and the other guy I get Peter. Gr- uh, what's his name? Berg. Peter Berg. Yes. He directed, uh, I think Patriots Day. Uh, yeah. Mark, Mark Wahlberg, North, uh, Mark Wahlberg, Boston stuff is, uh, is yeah,
0: basically Green. anything Marky Berg. Mark has done like post transformers, maybe even a little bit before. Um, My, yeah, they, all three of them have a, have a weird connection between them. In fact, I, I wouldn't be surprised if these guys all knew each other to some way, to some capacity, like, they all have like a, a boner for the military. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yes, there's um, a military boner. Yeah, Peter Berg has a weird thing going. Where I I've said this numerous times on the podcast. I think he has like a survivor's guilt or some form of guilt complex because the the reverence. Mm-hmm. My God, the reverence on display! Like he makes he makes our American military boys look look like fucking living gods. Yes, <laughs> yes. Or or in the case of lone survivor martyrs, um, which is unfortunate, but. Um yeah, he, he has this this sheer reverence uh, for the armed forces and whatnot. And David Ayer, I think it's strictly agro aesthetic. It's yeah, it's, it's ag- super fucking aggro. Yeah. Like like everybody like he can't help but have cussing every other line um just from an aesthetic standpoint it's very aggressive he
1: cracked his knuckles and got to work when he heard that south park held the record for the most f-
0: uses of the word fuck in a movie he's like i i got this <laughs> yeah he hit up joey Manginello and he was like joey i got a script we,
1: we gotta get to work dude one of the <laughs> dumbest parts of this movie I, I don't remember the exact moment where i threw my hands up but one moment, one moment is when Gavin, the our, our director, is uh, he has a cameo, and I guess he's like the da- he's playing like the Dana White of uh, this this championship match. He's like, the thing in the old neighborhood was is who was the toughest guy. I'm here to see who the toughest guy is, and I'm like, oh my god, it's the douchiest thing I've ever heard.
0: Yeah, this was a weird director cameo um our our director gavin o'connor has he has a recurring cameo in this film that actually kind of rolled my eyes at kyle when he characterized it as a cameo because i was like are you sure (laughs) he has an awful lot of lines and screen time (laughs) um he's it's funny they they list him on like imdb as uncredited it's like (laughs) he has more screen time than tom hardy to be honest (laughs) um but he's playing this this financier character that is sponsoring like this multi-million dollar tournament just from the kindness of his heart yeah Um, apparently he just wants to see dudes murder like do simulated murder upon each other for millions of dollars just because yeah um but yeah he has an awful lot of lines in this film and it was very strange because i never would have suspected that that was him i knew that that character whoever was playing them was important but I couldn't put my finger on why. It was just the way he was lensed. I was like, this movie's trying to tell me that I should know who this man is, but lo and behold, it's the man from behind the camera. <laughs> so, like, why him?
1: Uh, it's 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 upsetting because I think this movie could have been better. It's, I feel like this was written in the short, like in the uh, in the kiddie pool. Like it it just there you could have had more. For instance. I don't know what the family squabble is in this this is a movie about a family squabble squabble and coming together at the end I'm like I honestly don't know what the fuck happened and we talk about it a lot
0: yeah um, that was an interesting decision uh, on the part of the filmmaker um, because i I actually don't have a problem like filling in the blanks in my own head like just Kind of uh, making broad assumptions and and leaps in logic to figure out what happened between everybody. How the way I understand it is that uh, Dad was a piece of shit. So Dad is Nick Nolte. I'm sorry. We um, we do get a
1: good sense, but we don't completely know what happened.
0: Yeah, there there are a lot of things unspoken, but I want to say that that was a conscious decision because the director was probably thinking to himself. Sequel setup. It, well. <laughs> oh no god no the the sequel is tom hardy going to jail yeah no <laughs> going to military prison uh, that for, also going awol did not make sense, yeah, <laughs> no that that is the end of this movie tom hardy goes to fucking military prison <laughs> um, but um i think that the logic in in presenting the film in that fashion was that these people all know their own narratives therefore why should they exposit them to each other um so it's like relying on the viewer to just trust that these these people are behaving like people for the most part that they don't have to retrace all their steps because when they say triggering things like mom there's nothing more to be said after that they both know they both know the story between the two of them
1: see i think it would have been better if we had less contact between everybody and we had some kind of exposition just somebody who fills in the blanks it wouldn't have taken very long i feel like we waste a lot of time with that crap
0: yeah, th- this movie ha- strikes a odd balance when it comes to managing its drama and its sports drama um, because it's it's very bottom heavy uh, for the sports element. But then we, we jump back and forth, even up until the final reel of the film, like it never really commits to one or the other. It's constantly trying to have both at the same time. And it does rob it of a little bit of energy. Um, but, yeah, the the basic setup for the film. Kyle, do you want to give us a plot rundown here?
1: Yeah. Uh, this is going to take a while. <laughs> it's hard to get the plot. So, two estranged brothers uh, work their way to a MMA fighting tournament um, to deal with their problems in their personal lives. And in doing so, they, I assume, rekindle their... Relationship.
0: I yeah, guess. I, I, yeah, I, I think that pretty much sums it up. But the devil is in the details, and actually, um, I think it it worked out really well that we talked about Crying Fist um, paired up with this one because they do it's have similar, some similarities. Very similar. We do have dual narratives. We do have two people who are framed as protagonists. However, the major difference between the two is that this one Warrior um, does give us an antagonist. Um, towards the end of the film um it does spell it out to us the viewer who we're supposed to be rooting for um whereas crying fist never makes that commitment no. it leaves it very open-ended and it makes it challenging to view it but all the more entertaining because of it yeah um whereas this one it's like we have we have two brothers like like you said in the in the plot summary but we do end up favoring one over the other just because one of them turns into a shit heel uh Apparently because he gets impatient or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the relationships uh I think the performances are good from the mo- from the actors. The performances from the actors are pretty good. Uh there's some <laughs> I feel like there's some athletes in here. I was looking up I'm like, I don't know if this guy's an actor. Some of these dudes were pretty looked like legit fighters. Um the the performances are pretty good. Uh I I guess I had trouble with some of the like spe- the biggest problem I had was with uh Tommy, which is Bane, and uh, uh, Patty, which is Nick Nolte, their relationship does not make any sense to me.
0: Yeah, you you would think that his disdain for Patty, his father, would be enough that he wouldn't want to be near him, let alone training with him and being in close quarters and living under the same roof um, all the time. Like that, that was a strange dynamic. I I think they they positioned it that way to. To make a. It was for the benefit of the drama, where it's like, okay, we can put Nick Nolte in a position where uh, his character can believe that more is going to come of this. So he can let his guard down and think, oh, things are getting better. And then we can have our big blow up and he can get his literal Oscar reel moment because he was nominated for this film. Good. Uh, for best supporting actor. And yeah, he He's deserves it. excellent he, in this. He is tremendous in this yeah. film. Uh, he has a few really, really powerful scenes that definitely hit me pretty hard oh yeah i got close yeah yeah i got close two fucking movies in a row right (laughs) Uh, gam gam in the previous one nick nolte in this one uh but the other aspect of that is that I, i think it was also to kind of artificially give joel edgerton a reason to have extra beef with his brother with uh with tom hardy where it's like oh like i wanted to be close to dad now you now you're the one who's close with dad and it it's all a little bit contrived. The math adds up on paper, um, but the way it plays out on screen, like you said, part of you's like, well, if he hates him that much, why is he living with him? <laughs> it, it, like from a <laughs>
1: filmmaking standpoint, it's competent. I just think yeah, that yeah. he, I don't think he should have written and directed this because the writing is not sharp.
0: Yeah, uh, but you're you're absolutely right. The writing isn't particularly sharp, but they got the right actors yes. for most of these roles, and there there are some really good moments in this film for just, like, pure acting. Um, and honestly, a lot of that has to do with the editing, too, because um, <laughs> we have two... Apparently, we had two different editors for this film <laughs> 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 because whenever we're talking, whenever we're just having dramatic moments, oh, damn, like, like our, our cinematographer and our editor and our director, we're all, we're all, like, giving these actors all the time in the world. We're giving them their space. They're getting to explore the material. Like, this is an actor's film. Like, like the the way the performances are captured, they really do get to shine. But when we get to scrapping, oh, it looks like boiled crap. <laughs> bad, 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 bad. <laughs> it's like, like just somebody somebody has just like an electric trip hammer or something. They're banging to, to cut this thing together because, oh my god! Like I actually joked about this um, talking to Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. Like, um, you could you could arg- argue that here comes the boom has better fight scenes at times than this movie (laughs) hey i mean kevin james has some sort of certification in kung fu so he he's got some moves he's a fleet-footed fat man i remember joe rogan mentioning that in passing he's like no he's
1: like legit good in some area of martial arts
0: yeah i i always heard it was kung fu okay um and i believe it the man uh, he is a fleet-footed fat man like (laughs) like there is a particular Breed of fat <laughs> <guy. laughs> like, like Chris Farley was one of them. Belushi was one too.
1: Jack Black is the king. Uh you know what? Philip Seymour Hoffman was an incredible actor. Him and along came Polly. Fucking
0: great fat guy acting. No, I, John Candy was not, however, I, I want to believe that John Candy could crush your hand like he... on accident like he looked big in that way but he he was not graceful like, no, like he couldn't do like cartwheels the way chris farley poke a twist <laughs> but i i want to believe he could like tear the the door off of a car on accident or something yeah, I can see it's like that. don't fuck with uncle buck uh, i'm gonna say uncle buck yeah <laughs> um but yeah the, the the cinematography and the editing during the fight sequences in this movie is a it's green grassian in how shaky it gets from time to time. Um, and not only that, there's there's a the complete and utter absence of of like stand up, like striking in this film. Like it seems like we're always charging at each other, tying up, and then somebody yeah. gets dragged to the mat and it's just ground and pound all day long. It's
1: very strange choreography, especially when Kurt Angle is in the in the mix. Uh, there's not much of a fight when Bain is or when Tom Hardy is on here. Uh, Cause he's just knocking motherfuckers out with one punch. Uh, for the most part, I have part. a
0: theory. I have a theory about that. I think it was the schedule.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say he is jacked at one. Like at some points in the movie, he's kind of big, but near the end, he looks like like you can tell that he's bulking up for
0: Bane. I think Tom Hardy and his agent sat down one day and mapped out the next two or three years of his career. <laughs> yeah, where they said, okay, Tom, Inception, you're gonna put on a bunch of, you're gonna get some traps. Uh, You're going to get a power belly. You're going to learn how to throw some hands because you're going to be a Batman villain. You're going to be a mixed martial artist. Oh, yeah, and we may as well have you get punched in the face by Shia LaBeouf in that that, uh, moonshine movie that nobody saw, Lawless, that I actually really do want to see. He,
1: I think, like, looking at IMDb, uh, Tom Hardy's had more injuries on set than, I think, fucking Charlie Chaplin. (laughs) 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 <laughs> or or uh, who's the, uh, uh, Buster Keaton, I think, probably. Yeah. like, uh, I think he's had more injuries. I'm like, he got injured on this. He's been punched by Shia LaBeouf. He broke a rib in this movie. I'm like, he's always getting hurt.
0: Well, we're kind of all over the place already, and that's it, not important to me. But yeah. Um, yeah. I may as well focus on Tom Hardy for a minute. Because like I said, I, I want to say that part of the reason he took this role when he did was, A, the opportunity presented itself and – Clearly, this is a legit production given that you know we have Nick Nolte doing Oscar-caliber stuff mm-hmm. and a capable director who has done good sports dramas before, um, mostly working with up-and-comers because, as far as I know, the cast of Miracle, aside from Kurt Russell, was mostly guys who were not household names, um, which is really, really big when you're not yet a Batman villain and you're trying to make some headway in Hollywood. Um, but the thing that's interesting about Tom Hardy in this movie is that... I. I think him, his portrayal as Bane kind of uh, cast a little bit of a shadow over part of his career. Uh, because I think a lot of people associate that performance and that particular physique. The, like that particular character and in fact this one because holy shit if you google this movie... I guarantee you, you will get a Tommy Conlon highlight reel because those people that were into the UFC when you and your friends were watching it and stuff, those are the people that are fans of his character in this movie. (laughs) Um, Very popular character, despite having like 15 minutes of screen time and, you know, mumbling most of his lines. Um, But what I mean by casting a shadow is that Tom Hardy is not a naturally big guy. No. Like he, he, he really had to bulk up a lot like he he it was probably not a very fun process in fact i know for a fact he's gone on record saying he he didn't like training like he really despised the process and it actually kind of translates to, to his physicality in this movie like he doesn't look as comfortable as joel edgerton when it comes to you know scrapping and doing the fight choreography and stuff edgerton's definitely more lean uh in this film I really like Joel Edgerton.
1: I really do, too. Uh, I can't think... I mean, I've seen several of his movie, well, movies he's in. Uh, he's in Smoking Aces, by the way. With, uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. With, <laughs> take I was, it back, I say, take it back. Joel Edgerton's worked with the Three Stooges. He's been in a David Ayer film. He's in Bright. He's been in this. And then he was... Uh, I don't think uh, Peter... Uh, Peter. I keep wanting to say Peter Green. I watched... Uh, under Siege Two. He's the bad guy from Matt, the Mask, and he's in Under Siege Two as one of the goons. So he's just been on my brain. Peter actually, Berg. they do
0: have a they have a similar look. He and Peter Berg. Um,
1: but yeah, but he's smoking aces with Peter Berg. So and with Ben Affleck. So it's just all right there.
0: <laughs> We've come full circle. He's but, worked with all all the aggro
1: douches. <laughs> I, yeah, I think uh, his best movie is It Comes. It only comes at night, or It Comes at Night. Uh, yes. Excellent film, but uh, I think his best role has been in Black Mass, uh, playing the FBI agent. I thought he was really good in that.
0: Yeah, folks at home, Kyle was getting on me to, to check that movie out for a very long time, and I finally did very recently, um, and yeah, we had a little debate, like, was was that Johnny Depp's last good one? I, like, I, it may well be. It might well be. <laughs> I think he still has something to offer, it's just, who wants to offer it to him? I think, I think he'll be back i do too i I think he's too talented an actor to not yeah it's just a matter of like when the dust has settled like when he can come back but yeah uh joel edgerton i he's one of those guys that for whatever reason hollywood doesn't seem quite to know what to do with him we have
1: jeremy renner that's the thing it's it's the same guy
0: they i mean especially when you look at black mask like black mass rather they uh they do have some similarities. They both actually have similar tool sets. Where they they're both surprisingly funny guys mm-hmm. and surprisingly versatile as well. Um, only difference is I prefer Edgerton. Uh, I very much do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, he can actually sell me a movie, whereas yeah. if I see Jeremy Renner on the front, like big as life and twice as ugly on the poster, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna press play.
1: Jeremy Renner gave us the town. Ta- he was good, great in the town. I'll just take that. Thank you for that.
0: <laughs> yeah no he he was very good in that but beyond that mm, although he did that movie from uh the fella that did uh hell or high water um it's also like a it's like a I still need to a, a t- see that. it takes place in like the the wilderness uh, it's some sort of detective story in the, wil- in the wilderness or something it's supposed to be very good it deals with like native american affairs of some sort I think. interesting i've heard it's very good and jeremy renner is a good actor he's just not a selling point yeah not me. But joel, joel edgerton i've i kind of latched on to him at some point and just he's one of those guys he, he's not working all the time but every time i see him in something I go, oh yeah. i will watch that That's in fact i look. watched that i watched that one movie he directed too the the gift um i think it's a i think rebecca hall's in there um but he uh, and it's a what's his face from arrested development the the prick (laughs) (laughs) i
1: haven't seen all of that oh the
0: gift i was watching that with uh uh, uh, my girlfriend was watching
1: that that is some good jason bateman being a dick
0: i did i not describe him as a prick really good yeah i mean it's not all acting as far as i know but um, yeah yeah i i was actually very shocked um to learn that joel edgerton directed that in addition to you know having like a co -co co-lead role in that one but yeah he's a he's a versatile actor and this movie was fairly early in his his american filmography and stuff he'd had some bit roles in some hollywood stuff like you said smoking aces and whatnot um but this was like probably the first time i really took notice of him and he shows the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Like I, I detected only one instance of his Aussie accent uh, sneaking out. I was out. looking for it. I was looking for it. Uh, when he's talking to his dad on the front lawn, um, he like goes back. He's like going back into the house, and it he just goes full Aussie for a minute. <laughs> uh, but the rest of the movie, no, he he sounds like some form of American. Uh, this uh, it needs to be said. Both of our lead actors in this film—they're supposed to be brothers. One is Australian, the other is English. Um, they're both supposed to be from Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pittsburgh. <laughs> Pittsburgh, uh, specifically. Um, and they they sound like they're from somewhere in America. I can't yeah. confirm if they sound like they're from Philly or Pittsburgh. but
1: Sometimes it's Philly. Sometimes it's New Jersey. Sometimes it's New York. I think they go to Maine <laughs> at one point, maybe even Vermont. It's mid like somewhere in the northeast, mid-Atlantic.
0: I mean, that that's, you know, the one disadvantage to letting your actors, you know, <laughs> take things for a walk a little bit it's like okay you got a little too cozy with things there joel (laughs) um but yeah, do you wanna do you wanna run through the movie, or do you just want to keep talking the way we're talking? Well, we can run through it a little bit. Like
1: we can kind of just, just set it up. We don't have to go through it piece by piece. Uh, no,
0: fortunately, fortunately, the movie doesn't have many scenes. No. So like, it's mostly like I said, this is an actor's movie. So like, the the opening of the movie is the confrontation between uh, Tommy, who has recently gone AWOL from the military. Though we don't will not learn that for a while. A like, long fucking time. Like two fucking hours, basically. Yeah. Um, he appears in his like he appears on his dad's doorstep basically in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, and it's weird, you don't really know what their relationship is, but they go in and have a discussion and this is why the the relationship is so confusing was starting with this scene and then moving forward. So apparently, from what I can gather from the story is that uh Tommy uh Tom Hardy, Tommy Hardy has been <laughs> has left the family for like 14 years. Uh, we learn that uh, Nick Nolte is an alcoholic. Uh, he's coming back from an AA meeting. He's listening to Moby Dick on audio for some fucking reason. Um, but yeah, so you can see he's very standoffish, and like I'm like, is he there to fucking kill him or is he there to like mend like mend this? And it was just a very strange opening, and I wasn't really sure what to make of
0: it. I actually really like it. Um, just gonna. It's funny like we we both kind of been teasing this movie a lot but at the end of the day it's like me teasing someone that I actually kind of like. Well, like I I wouldn't serve this movie up to you if I didn't think it had some redeeming qualities to it. It does. Um and this scene I I like the filmmaking um because what you had mentioned earlier the the gaps in the information being feeded to us um are are explained to us uh, you just kind of have to like 80% in, in, yeah, uh you kind of have to meet it halfway. And what I'm talking about is we get some shots lingering over like childhood photos of of Tom Hardy looking over like his dad's living room and stuff and we see that okay, there's a wrestling tradition in the family. Okay, there's a military tradition in the family. None of which will be talked about for quite some time. Um and then like you said the the tone in the room is really weird like it's unsettling because we have a, a friendly seemingly very friendly old man inviting this like street drifter looking guy into his home by the way the the drifter guy keeps offering him booze when we just saw him come back from an AA meeting and then he has some like really aggressive lines to nick nolte like oh i guess it's hard to find a woman that can take a punch these days well and it's like oh yeah holy. i i, I, I picked up on that but just in
1: passing so i think maybe that's why it was frustrating it's a good opening scene but there's no payoff like i don't really get to know what he's talking about in this scene so looking back i'm like well that was kind of frustrating
0: well it's also frustrating in that this tone that we strike here with these two characters carries over for the next two plus hours Mm -hmm. it like it does it's like simmering and it doesn't boil over until two hours from now So if get comfortable with this, because this is what you're going to be dealing with every time we have these two characters in the same room together and they don't have a blow up of any real sort until the very end. So it, it does leave you like wanting something, some dynamic to, to change or, or something. But, um, for now we're just kind of left there guessing as to what exactly, like precisely the history is between the two of them. Um, but we get our, our title, and then we cut to the other Bro. element of the family. That would be the, I believe it's the other brother, Joel Edgerton, who is... Um, Brendan. Brendan. Yeah, that's right. Brendan Conlon and Tommy Conlon, though he goes by Reardon, which Dude, is... They, uh, they sound like
1: gangsters <laughs> from Boardwalk Empire, like straight up. <laughs> it's
0: just, well, I mean, directed by Gavin O'Connor. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, <laughs> Um, and then Patty Conlon yeah, on top Patty. of that. <laughs> um, How is this not like, in
1: Boston? Yeah, uh.
0: yeah. It it seems like it should be. And also, um, one thing that I I actually had meant to bring up like ten minutes ago, ten minutes ago, <laughs> <laughs> was uh, was um, another difference between this and Crying Fist that does detract from it a little bit is the scale. So one thing that. Oh, I didn't yeah. start I didn't really appreciate it until we started talking about it but one thing that's really cute about Crying Fist is that it's about boxers but it's not about good boxers no <laughs> like like they're not very good and the tournament they're fighting in is only 6 rounds like what we're dealing with is a very small scale very very personal conflict whereas this one is for like all the fucking marbles yeah and then not only that like things get totally out of hand to the point that we have like three fighters from from pennsylvania going to a 16 man like best in the world competition yeah like the how like i don't know what the odds would be for something like that to happen that's fucking nuts it's <laughs> a, oh yeah not only that two of them well, came from this no four of them from the same gym Four. two four people from two gyms yeah in one state of the country yeah <laughs> For a 16-man tournament, that that's, okay, that's a little far-fetched, to say the least, and then by the time we get to the end of this tournament, okay, yeah. <laughs> this is some Hollywood bullshit in an otherwise pretty, you know, good movie in terms of, like, delivering realistic performances and whatnot, but, yeah, we get introduced to Brendan, and uh, he's throwing a birthday party for one of his two daughters, and uh, they're in, like, dire financial straits, he and his, his wife, Tess. Uh, who is played by that one lady from House.
1: She's from How I Met Your Mother. She plays Zoe. Uh, and you get to see her ass a lot in this movie. Yes, you do. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Picked up on that.
0: Yeah, um, actually, that's a, a interesting detail. Not not the butt. I mean, ass, ass is an element of the movie for sure. Uh, not as much as Crying Fist, though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you do get to see her butt quite a bit, mostly because they're doing the... Uh, the thing where we've been married a while so we're always in PJ's thing. Yeah,
1: and- she gets more clothes as the movie goes on. We see her first in her underwear when she goes to see him in the bathroom and then later she's in her PJ shorts and then later in her PJ pants and then she puts on jeans later.
0: Yeah, yeah. They're doing a lot of that and actually it's an interesting detail. It's not important at no. all but it's something that I observed that actually it lends like a little bit of reality to the proceedings. That, again, doesn't need to be there, but I thought it was kind of neat because fighters are fighters are a particular demographic. <laughs> like, like fighters are not ordinary people for the most part. They're yeah. often cut from a certain cloth, and oftentimes it's kind of hard scrabble life. Um, so I thought it was interesting that you know he's a teacher, but he also pretends to bounce in the evenings and stuff. You can get rid uh, of he-
1: that teaching
0: shit. Get those fucking kids out of here. Yeah. It, I knew that was going to piss you off. Gosh. No, there's a reason I didn't have you watch Cinderella, man, because... <laughs> are, there I,
1: kids, are there kids? Is he a teacher? No,
0: no, there, there's not that, but it has that feel-good, you know, vibe to it Ugh. that I thought you'd, like, roll your eyes at yeah. or something. But it also has some great depression stuff, though, some neat details in there that... It, it's a good movie, but I know Schmaltz doesn't generally do it for you, so. <laughs> But, But uh, the detail that I'm talking about here with the family is that uh, she's like a like a waitress at a casino or something. Oh. And like, he even comments on her skirt being too short. And she's like, I'm working for tips husband. And he's like, Oh, well yeah, I guess you gotta do what you gotta do. But I was like, you know, this does actually seem like a mixed martial arts family, to, like from what I've observed anyway.
1: Well, I mean, this is uh, a movie about a family squabble, but honestly, if we get down to it, it's that we don't pay public school teachers enough to, to have a living wage. Cause he's a school teacher who moonlights as a he claims as about as a bouncer, but he's really doing MMA fights for money. And he's like, "We've got three jobs between the three of us between the two of us." I'm like, "Well, get four. <laughs> if you can't afford this <laughs> shit, stop <laughs> having kids. You can afford yeah. more stuff."
0: Yeah, and maybe don't buy the digital camera or you know the the big karaoke machine for the daughter or whatever they get her. I need that shit. Yeah, you don't need a mini DV cam in 2011. That shit's expensive. The guy's got a nice <laughs> house, but yeah, uh, he is a public school teacher. Yeah, um, I believe he's a chemistry or a science teacher or something Whatever, like that. Whatever, um, yeah. yeah. in between learning about that, we get to see that Tommy joins a, a gym, an a MMA gym that apparently used to be like a boxing gym or something, and uh, we also get told to us via like a television broadcast about this tournament, the Sparta tournament, which is uh, put on by the Tap Out guys, mm-hmm. which consists of uh, the real life Tap Out guys, one of whom looks like the, the what the Party Rock guy or whatever. I was gonna say uh, uh, Animal from uh, from the Muppets. Uh, yeah, yeah he's got got big. I thought big... he was wearing a wig. I thought it was
1: like a, a wig that you get from a Halloween store.
0: No, that was, like, his brand. Like oh, okay. He, he, the the tap-out guys were everywhere in this point in time. And uh, the sponsorships in this movie, Kyle was texting me while he was watching the movie. He was like, this shit's out of control! <laughs> I said, it felt like a
1: tap-out shirt was directing the movie. <laughs> also, I feel like if you were like, oh, man, I hung out with the tap-out guys. Like, oh, really? What was it like? I don't know, man, but I think I'm going to have a heart attack. I had too many Red Bulls. Like I feel like those guys just... Drink. Get another Red Bull, dude. Get a Red Bull. They're for free.
0: But yeah, G- Gavin O'Connor, our director, uh, is this J.J. Riley fellow who's sponsoring this tournament. And we have endless scenes. We just keep cutting back to these guys of him hanging out with the tap-out guys, with, with whom I'm sure in real life he is very friendly. I'm sure. But I could not give two shits about the tap-out guys, and in fact... These guys are so audacious to the point that <laughs> they have like a whole camera angle set aside to just to show Nick Nolte having a conversation with the tap guy. I was like, what the fuck could they possibly be talking about? There's, some, there's something
1: really neat. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, Singles. Probably one of the best movies to take place in Seattle because we get okay. a lot of really cool on-location shots. But it was shot when the grunge scene was just like just festering. It was right there. So uh, Matt Dillon and
0: Brigitte right? uh, yeah, are uh, mm. the one that we like. Mm. Yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah. We she got them. She got the nose. She got them teeth. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but you see like
1: uh, Pearl Jam before they're big. Uh, I think I know Alice in Chains are in there before they're a name. Uh, no Nirvana, but we do. I think we do get Mudhoney as well. And it's really cool to see because like th- these guys end up being huge for the scene. So I'm wondering if he was doing his like his singles thing. It's like, I want to put the tap out guys in there. Nobody knows who they are here in like three or four years. They're going to be huge. I wonder if he was doing that. I, I doubt it. it. It would be cool if that was <laughs> true. But
0: it, what, what the name of the game is, is promos- Promotional Synergy. Um, because it was 2011 when this film was released. It was probably filmed like 2009 um, or 2010 maybe. And yeah, the UFC, Affliction, Tap Out, All that shit was on the rise, and uh, they really dug their claws into this production. Like, everybody got on board, because UFC may not have its signage anywhere present in this film. However, it is verbally referenced constantly in this film. Can't wait till we get Um, to the kid. (laughs) Yeah, uh, we have people using the phrase UFC, which which is a copyright or trademarked brand. You can't just casually say that in a movie without getting an okay from them, and they... They participate and in fact, they lent quite a bit of their talent to this film as well.
1: What, what does the ref say in boxing matches? Let's fight, or what, what is it?
0: Uh, Mills Lane said, let's get it on. Let's get it on. <laughs> let's get it on. And then, uh,
1: what do they say in
0: UFC. What
1: is the bit, the one dude with the giant head? I I never, he was like Oh, he, Big Big John McCarthy Yeah, or Big John McCarthy.
0: Uh I can't remember what he said, but uh, they all say different things. I think, like John Mazegatti would like clap his hands and
2: like <laughs> uh,
1: McCarthy would be like, "Let's get it on." But his would be a really a good yell. In this movie he's saying, "Let's go to war." And I was wondering, I'm like, "Do they have to like have their own like little sign off just to be not close to what they say in the UFC?
0: I wasn't sure. I I bet you they do, um, because uh, let's get ready to rumble is not okay. No, you can't say that. that. You cannot say that. (laughs) You will be sued.
2: It's time!
0: (laughs) Uh, Bruce Bruce Buffer. Yeah, he has uh, has a stroke and says it's time. (laughs) My God, that guy is going to die in the ring. I mean... he gets paid
1: Was he get paid six figures to talk for pff, I don't know, ten minutes out of
0: the day? No, he's just gonna have a blood vessel burst in his temple and it's just gonna squirt the ceiling of the arena and just he's gonna bleed out in five seconds. Like Kung Fu enter the fist. <laughs> like, no, it'll be, it'll, Kung Pao yeah, his, Kung Pao enter the fist. Yeah. <laughs> No, oh, his head is going to explode. He's going to scanner himself yeah. in the ring, saying his one line. But um, Bane, yeah. Bane's about to fight Zangief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want to, you want to walk us through this? Scene? Yeah. So what Kyle, what Kyle's describing here is, uh, we have Tommy Conlon or Tommy Reardon, rather, uh, Bane. Tom Hardy, Bane. Yeah, Bane is hanging out in this gym and uh, he's just working a bag. He's minding his own spit, his own business. But then there's a like the standout among the talent of the gym uh, some fella named Mad Dog because yeah. there's always a Mad Dog um, and Mad Dog is doing some hard sparring, no headgear by the way and yeah. we're balls to the wall I'm not sure if that's revised. I don't think
1: you're supposed to be doing that that's ill-advised
0: yeah. Yeah, I would imagine when you do this kind of sparring with like shin pads and gloves and stuff you don't necessarily need to have headgear but you probably go like 50% well, you do more like it's more about like contact training rather than like i'm gonna take your fucking head off training. Well, a lot of
1: <laughs> a lot of fighters i've noticed focus like a lot of them have at least one martial art that they are well versed in maybe they're like uh, a wrestler who got into boxing and they're really strong in those two but they know some jujitsu or some muay thai they have other striking capabilities and i don't know how you practice those like i feel like you have to focus on certain aspects of those different styles one at a time and incorporate it into what your next match is going to be. Like, what am I going to do? What's the plan? This is just like a street fight, basically, between these two. Uh, Mr. Skunk had too many moves. Uh, I thought (laughs) when he gets his hair blonde later, I thought it was Tito Ortiz, because they have the same head. (laughs) This is fucking huge. Tito Ortiz Uh. has the biggest head. (laughs) His head is bigger than Robert Cador. <laughs> <Sidar. laughs>
0: no, but his head is shaped like an, a Moai statue, like an yes, Easter Island yes. statue, where it's very thin at the top and then it widens out towards the bottom, towards the jaw. But Kyle, if you have, if you've never seen um, compilations of Tito Ortiz on the microphone, oh, I've, oh yeah, yeah.
1: Oh my god, yeah. that
0: is comedy gold. Yeah, yeah. That is the funniest fucking. Not shit as funny ever. as Bass
1: Rutan. Same head, but bass is uh... only
0: difference is i have respect for Bass. i <laughs> yeah. laugh i yeah. laugh at bass Rutten because he's a funny man yes <laughs> and he has an interesting outlook on life <laughs> tito ortiz lives in his own dimension and he has this very unique grasp of the english language that is endlessly entertaining yeah. <laughs> did you hear about his uh, his stint in a uh, uh, california politics
1: oh god <laughs> <laughs> No.
0: (laughs) Who voted for this man? (laughs) The
1: Huntington Beach bad boy was getting into politics, huh?
0: Yeah, he was in some form of office in Huntington Beach, which I believe is like a conservative corner of of that particular. Conservative? Really? You don't say. The tunnels? (laughs) Like like the the custom bike guys? (laughs) But um, yeah, apparently uh, they wanted him out immediately (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, but anyway yeah yeah, we're doing some hard sparring and mad dog uh puts down one of his sparring partners and they've ran out of people they've ran out of bodies to toss to him and they're trying to keep him warm so he needs to go some rounds and uh kyle you want to explain what happens here (laughs) yeah
1: so uh zangief beats this dude and he's like where do you get these girls at like he's just like feed me feed me bodies man and uh tom hardy and he's like dude, our, our other guy, like, he's out. Like, we don't have anybody for him to spar with. And Tom Hardy's kind of, he's like, I'm going to beat the shit out of this guy. You know, I'm going to make an example out of him. This is what you think he's going to do. Really, he's just going to knock the shit out of him. So he's like, let me let me spar with him real quick. And he pounds this dude to the ground. And much to the shock of everybody in the gym. And they're like, holy shit, who is this fucking guy? He's incredible. <laughs> uh, I, it, it, It's interesting that he's doing MMA because I, I don't see him doing anything uh on the ground like i know that he's a wrestler but that doesn't really come into play uh maybe a couple throws here and there but he's a boxer is what i took it as like he's just boxing
0: yeah it's kind of fascinating because the character what we learn about him throughout the film is that he was a wrestling prodigy um trained by his father patty and uh he he had this like early life ambition of passing the the record of I'm not sure if he was a real guy or not, but a, a Grecian wrestler by the name of Theogenes went like 14 and 14 hundred something wins in a row or something. Uh, so his ambition was wrestling. Um, and you're right, everything we see him do as an adult in the film uh, is mostly striking. It's occasionally kicks, but it's mostly punches. And his wrestling comes in the form of slamming people to the ground in utterly unrealistic ways. Uh, because uh, the choreography in this film does not respect uh, physics Uh, in the it you know it's generally very hard to force another person to the ground let alone uh just completely rob them of of all agency and just take them into the air and slam them down that's very difficult to do um but yeah he he mostly just (laughs) um he slams people around and he he does the tito ortiz style grounded pound Uh, It's antiquated by today's standards, but it looks okay on film. And you don't really have to be a genius to pull it off in front of the camera. But, yeah, uh, that's basically his game. Whereas his brother is all jiu-jitsu, basically. Um, But it's kind of fascinating because, like you said, his base is wrestling. Like, he's a wrestler first, but he seems very, very comfortable with his hands in this. Um, And on top of that, uh, he's supposed to be a Marine. I know they do some martial training in in the military
1: that probably explains his lack of practicing jiu-jitsu i believe they do uh some jiu-jitsu uh i would imagine yeah. yeah uh and they do some like actual like hand-to-hand combat uh stuff so yeah i guess that kind of fills in that that little that little part of it um i was gonna say something but i forgot go ahead
0: No, oh, sorry uh, maybe it'll come back to you yeah. but a uh, long story short uh the like the standout talent in this gym just got floored he just got his he just got starched basically in front of the whole gym and on top of that one of the trainers also recorded it and was kind enough to put the video on youtube that wasn't cool no <laughs> um but this was 2011 and you know viral video was like the thing in the news and stuff oh that was- gosh that never back down movie that's the fucking that's the thing in that mo- oh god that movie sucks yeah, you know why we're wa- why we're talking about this movie, Kyle, is because w- we wanted to do a sports movie month, and I wanted to make sure we talked about sports that we actually like and we actually have insight into. There basically are no good mixed martial <laughs> there arts are, movies. There are, all <laughs> so it's bad. it's Warrior, and that's about the extent of it. Because all the other stuff is like, it has mixed martial arts in it, but it doesn't. Present it in a realistic fashion in any way. Where, like, Scott Adkins, his Undisputed films, tremendous in terms of, like, entertainment value, but it's just fantastical, you know, bullshit. It's amazingly fun to watch, but it has nothing to do with the actual sport. Whereas this one at least bears some resemblance to the actual product. But yeah, Never Back Down was most certainly, <laughs> like, not in the running for what we're going to be talking about, but. Uh, yeah, this video gets put out to the public and it starts to you know, get Tommy Conlon some, some buzz. But in the meantime, his brother uh, learns that they're going to be foreclosing on his house. So he's getting squeezed.
1: Which he does not share with his wife, by the way.
0: Takes a while. <laughs> it takes a minute. It's
1: a divorceable amount of time. <laughs> That's how much time <laughs> it takes for him to tell her that the bank is going to foreclose on their house.
0: And you know this is foreclosing even when they've you know taken into into account like her pants budget. It's like it's like we already cut out your pants yeah. from the budget, and we're still we're still not above water. <laughs> but yeah, so he's got some financial woes. In the meantime, uh, I guess his answer to this problem is he's telling her that he's going to serve as like a bouncer at nightclubs and stuff when in actuality he's driving to different states i think this one's in virginia it's like wolverine <laughs> it's like it's, it's
1: what wolverine does he just
0: drives around a camper and fights people in cages <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh yeah in the first x-men yeah. movie that's, that's exactly that but um yeah instead of uh, bouncing he he goes to a place in virginia where they just have a ring set out in the back of the of a strip club The parking lot of the strip club. (laughs) That's a good one. It's really good. (laughs) Um, And yeah, he he has a scrap with a fella. And uh, the real kicker is that this is actually one of the better filmed uh, fight sequences in the whole film, even though it's very brief. Uh, But we get to see, just from a visual standpoint, some differences in their game. Uh, So Tommy, we see, is very comfortable with his hands. Uh, We've only seen him fight once in the film, and he just... Haymakers all day long and slamming people to the mat, uh, whereas Brendan seems more cerebral. He does a lot of countering, he does a lot of lateral movement, uh, and a lot of exchanging as well. So he he catches you in between your shots. Um, but the real foundation of his game seems to be BJJ, Jiu-Jitsu. Um, in fact, I think every win he has in this movie comes via some form of submission. Um, and yeah, he defeats this fella via submission um, pretty handily, in fact. Uh, But the real kicker is that he's being told he won the match, and then some fella, like, the administrator of the event, like, tells him, like, okay, you did good, kid. Now just, like, win two or three more more times and you get paid. And he's like, okay. You know, I was thinking, it was reminding me of, like, George St.
1: Pierre, who I think is one of my most favorite fighters, but he's not generally a fighter who's in, like, he's not always a fun one to watch because he's this kind of fighter.
0: Yeah, GSP was... I mean, he was like a jab with some with wrestling. Yeah, he would he would just he would shut you down. Yeah, he would beat you by not letting you fight. Kind of.
1: (laughs) I think from our er era, like when I was first getting into, I think Anderson Silva was probably one of the best fighters to watch. I think just the the fucking time. he broke his own he broke his own I think his ankle or his foot
0: in a fight. Fun- oh, oh, yeah, I think it was his shin. Oh my uh, gosh, he, he shattered it on uh, Chris Weidman's leg. That's insane. I saw that. Yeah, yeah that was nasty. Uh, it's like in terms of like nasty like bone breakages and stuff. I think the worst I've ever seen on a, like in a quote unquote sporting event was a a sit. Sid Justice because he couldn't call himself Sid Vicious anymore uh, uh, in in WCW. He has, he ri- originally did call himself Sid Vicious. People... Sid Justice jumping off the top rope. And this this man was like six eight, six nine, and probably like two hundred sixty pounds. He did not go to the top rope. He was asked by the brass to jump off the top rope. Shattered like just oof. in the center of his shin, and it was. It, and he tried to lift his leg. Uh, and it was it was drooping. It was drooping, Kyle. This, this season, <laughs> like a like a cheese stick out the oven. <laughs> this
1: season, it was probably one of the most heartbreaking injuries I've ever seen. Uh, Dak Prescott, quarterback for the Cowboys, early in the season, uh, I believe he snapped his ankle and got up and tried to put his shoe back on. He thought his uh, it thought his shoe had come off, but he was trying to put his ankle back on. It, it's so crazy when you see injuries like that where they don't realize what happened. Oh, it was so—it oh. was heartbreaking. The poor kid. I'm too. sure
0: they—they they played the the sad piano version of the football music. Yep. I love that when people get injured and they play that. It's. <laughs> 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 uh,
1: next on Fox, uh, we have the Masked Singer uh who will be on there tonight
0: (laughs) Uh, and meanwhile in the background you can see someone on a cart going oh my god he was crying he was crying he
1: i'm sure it's a season possibly career ending injury it's pretty bad uh but yeah brendan ends up uh he ends up winning this fight and like he said he's been telling his wife that he's um he's actually bouncing but she comes into the bathroom when he gets home uh, in her underwear. I thought she was gonna sit but, down and pee. She,
0: she enters butt first. Yeah, she <laughs> enters
1: butt first. Uh, I thought she was gonna pee. I thought she like goes to sit on the toilet. I'm like, damn, just give him a minute. Uh,
0: <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes you're half awake and you don't know.
1: <laughs> but yeah, he lies to her. Says, or he's he's like, listen, I lied to you. I've been uh, I've been bouncing, I've been I've been fighting. Um, and I think we we've uh go to do we go to school next or do we have uh tom uh tommy and uh pop talk
0: they basically happen side by side so it doesn't yeah. really matter um tom and pop yeah. <laughs> they meet up at a diner and by the way this uh short order cook looks like they're frying up some mean hamburgers by oh, the yeah. way. made me hungry
1: um i'm, ha- I'm actually getting hungry
0: <laughs> basically they they have a negotiation here where uh this is where Kyle was saying uh, the characterization is a little puzzling. Uh, so basically, Tommy has come to his dad, who he hates, by the way. Yes, he um, hates and- <laughs> him, by the way. He
1: was an abusive drunk. That's what we can gather. Like He was an abusive drunk, apparently who beat their mother. And you can tell the tension between these two is just... It's rich. You can cut a knife with it. Like You can tell that Tommy hates him. But then we have this scene.
0: Yeah. Uh, so knowing full well that this young man hates his father uh they by the way that's 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 a thing that's a joke i used to make about mma um when i back in the day when i i really didn't like it mostly again because of the image and because i was mad that boxing was getting overshadowed at the time i was spiteful um so i don't hold this belief anymore but i used to make this joke all the time was that uh, MMA, or more specifically UFC, is a contest to see who hates their dad more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> I don't think Conor
1: McGregor's dad is in the picture.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It's half. It's half a joke. Like it, but I do think there's probably some truth to it. Um,
1: oh, and you think Tom Brady's such a winner? He still kisses his dad on the lips after games. I mean, he's got a great
0: relationship with his father. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, Tom, I've always had a joke about Tom Brady that's like if you tried to ask him about anything that had a, nothing to do with football, nothing. he'd just blink at you yeah. and just have nothing. The man, I think
1: he's one-dimensional. <laughs> I don't know if he's one-dimensional. He does have a really funny video where he chugs a beer. Uh, I guess he was really good at chugging beer in college, and he has. And he's not like Kimmel or, or uh, Colbert. And he fucking pounds it it, it just down the hatch. And he just goes, oh, that's good. (laughs) It's probably been years since he's had a beer.
0: Yeah, for real. No carbs for that, man. But um, anyway, this exchange in the diner basically uh, is dad uh, says, hey, you got to toss your drugs because I heard you uh, jangling some pills in your pocket there. Um, And the arrangement that's formed here is that Tommy has come to his father for training. He wants to enter the Sparta tournament because it's a multi-million dollar tournament and we don't really know why precisely, but he wants money for something. Um, We do learn a little bit later, but yeah, he's coming to his dad uh, to resume training him. and uh, They're kind of standoffish with each other where dad is like, okay, I'll do this, but Tommy keeps trying to tell him, like, this isn't a loving reunion. This is me just wanting you to crack the whip and make sure I I do well in the gym. Um, But parallel to that uh brendan goes back to school as his doing his teacher gig who we're we're gonna gloss over all of the teacher stuff, yes. Because my god, terrible. these these kids fucking suck. <laughs> um, is this where you gets however, chewed out
1: by Kevin Dunn real quick? Yes. Yeah,
0: but thankfully, the school scenes do offer us some time with Kevin Dunn, which is uh, always. Good. I'm a big fan of Love. Ke- he fan. is awesome on Veep.
1: It, it, you've got HBO now. That's a that's a good uh, good comedy show to go through.
0: He's great on there, and that man can chew some people out. See, Kyle told me the first show i needed to watch with my hbo subscription was true detective season one Mm -hmm. i took him up on that that was a good recommend um and i do trust your opinion when it comes to evaluating films and shows and stuff why didn't you lead with the dunn (laughs) you've been trying to sell me on veep for years and you never once mentioned kevin dunn (laughs) i sent
1: you the peter McNichol scenes i'm like that should get you going uh, Peter McNichol is not <laughs>
0: Kevin Dunn, sir.
1: Right. Uh, Gary Cole has a really big role in that show, and he's pretty great, too. Uh, Kevin Dunn is really great on that show. Uh, everybody. Love Kevin Dunn.
0: Everybody's great. Martin Mull, all of it. No, love Kevin Dunn even in shit like small soldiers i was gonna say him chewing out phil hartman (laughs) he's great he's He's always great great. he's he's always so agitated (laughs) he's never happy with circumstances you realize
1: if, if if phil hartman hadn't been killed unfortunately he could have just played that same role he could have just played the neighbor i would have watched him infinitely infinitely in that role
0: yeah two of his best roles in cinema almost back-to-back jingle all the way and small soldiers basically the same character i want more
1: <laughs> it's seen in uh, the uh, so i married an axe murderer <laughs> yeah it.
0: no phil hartman was a treasure Ugh. he is he is well missed but <laughs> anyway Shit. kevin dunn plays the principal of this school and uh, he's upset he chews out brendan uh because like kyle had pointed out you can't have kevin dunn in your film or your show without him chewing someone out for yeah. something um but basically he he's kind of reluctant like he doesn't actually have a problem with brendan he seems to like him yeah in fact, he seems to respect him but the superintendent he's got the hospital. he's like him. yeah definitely a little bit Look, he's a man crush mostly because i mean you look at kevin dunn he's not a physical specimen the the hairline's going north i have real no fucking idea fast. how
1: old he is he looks the exact same from like 1994
0: to now you know what would be really hilarious is if he and joel edgerton were like the same age <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i don't think that's true but yeah that in terms of genetic lottery that would be really sad (laughs) but um yeah superintendents in town he's like hey we can't we can't have our teachers be you know doing cage fighting basically um and you know there there is some logic to that because his face is torn the fuck up by the way and all the kids are distracted by it but uh, he gets suspended and we get a scene where uh he finally comes clean as to what's going on with the situation with his wife and it's actually kind of a neat scene the way it's conducted it's in this little like hidey hole they have for their kids and he's like applying some wood glue to like a toy piano and so this entire conversation in the middle of the night happens in whispers it's you know it's supposed to be like a couple's moment thing but basically they're coming to grips with their situation where he's like hey uh they're gonna take the house she's like uh i don't want you to get brain damage he's like well too late been doing this for a while now (laughs) but um because he's suspended he doesn't really he feels he doesn't have any options so he wants to resume his fighting career because apparently he was in the ufc in the fiction of this film uh, prior to the events of this film um and he tells her that it's like okay i'm gonna pretend i'm going to work like normal and but instead i'm just gonna go to the gym and then we cut to Iraq, I believe. Yeah, this is where I threw my hand. Uh,
1: this is where I thought it was. I thought it was a flashback at first. I'm like, okay, probably Tom Hardy was in like the in the Marines or something, or we're gonna see something that went wrong. This is where I was like, wait, what the? What's going on now? So, uh, <laughs> so we have this dude with eyebrows uh, who is watching a highlight of that clip that somebody uploaded of Tommy fighting uh, Zangief, and uh, <laughs> and he's just like. Looking at this dude's like, wait, go back, pause that. And he looks at his face and he's like, oh, Holy shit. And he runs back to his little his compartment with all of his dudes. He's like, You gotta come see this real quick. And he dumps out this box of tapes. And I'm like, Where is this going? I'm like, what are these <laughs> tapes of? What what could this possibly be? So apparently he had a GoPro on before we had GoPro. He had some kind of camera on. And i tom hardy was just like in some water with him they were both in the military and you're not really sure what's happening but he's just this grainy grainy footage of tommy and i'm like you got you got that from that it's pretty incredible this guy should be this guy should be the modern day sherlock holmes because this is incredible
0: yeah this guy should be on csi telling people to enhance things enhance Um, yeah (laughs) (laughs) zoom magnify enhance um because yeah uh he sees Tommy. Um, man, they they Tony Danza'd him. <laughs> in fact, they did that to multiple people in the cast, actually. Where it's like, hey, you better call him Tony just in case he doesn't respond to his name. <laughs> it's like, so let's just name Tony Danza Tony and everything he's in. Uh, so we have Tom Hardy playing Tommy. And uh, this Marine uh, sees a YouTube video. A grainy cell phone YouTube video of Tommy. And somehow, like he said, miraculously pieces together mini dv cam in shot in night vision by the way and <laughs> yeah, with like a fisheye effect <laughs> and with like a fisheye effect on the lens as well uh he somehow magically recognizes this fella's face this uh, is
1: spider-man dancing in spider-man 3 you're like wait
0: what the fuck is happening now <laughs>
1: <laughs> huh so yeah <laughs> this starts the stupidness of this thread which i honestly don't think you need because it starts with, well, well, what's the deal with this military stuff? What's going on?
0: Uh, it may be a financing thing. I don't know. Um, but I I don't know if Gavin O'Connor has military background. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he does, just based on some of the subject matter in some of his films. Like, The Accountant had some military stuff in there, too, that um, also had, like, Abuse of Father stuff as well. So, hmm. Mr. Mr. O'Connor, maybe you're trying to tell us something, <laughs> um, but yeah. In terms of financing, I would not be surprised if you know the U.S. military helped pay for some of this movie because so, they're made to look very good in this movie for the most part, except for the friendly fire. Is this um, which? Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm I'm done.
1: Oh no, there's a there was a, a product integration. It was a concept in Thirty Rock. It was a meta way of doing. Um, product placement in the show without them actually doing product placement in the show like they're joking around like the snapple's really good but like they're making a joke of it so is this like integrated like that we're integrating it into this where we're not actually doing like a like a a movie about the military where we're kind of doing it in a real positive light because it was because they really focus on the camaraderie part of it
0: they do Uh, In fact, it gets kind of hokey when we start singing in the stadium. (laughs) Uh, But let me ask you this, Kyle. I've never actually bothered to ask anyone this question before, but uh, it's not a personal thing. (laughs) Don't worry. Um, I'm curious because this got my gears turning here. Um, Does the UFC screen to the armed forces for free?
1: I saw saw Machida fight. Who was the the african-american gentleman who knocked out chuck liddell i can't
0: john jones no it was befo- no oh rashad evans?
1: rashad evans i watched rashad evans and uh, machida fight and i remember machida no, i think he knocked him out so yeah i think we we did get it and i, I think it might have been a title that might have been a
0: title fight i think that's your connection okay. is that this is the ufc ah. ne- n- n- nestling very closely to the film yes. and saying hey like we do business with with the armed forces yes. and the you know wrestling does the same thing as far as I understand they screen their pay per views in fact they do shows like like in Afghanistan when we had you know outposts and stuff um, so I want to say it's that where it's like cross promotional synergy gotcha um, because who's consuming the product yes the people the people who are on screen currently
1: beefcakes with short hair yes <laughs>
0: that's right and it's it's a lot easier to you know facilitate that relationship if you're basically feeding it to him but anyway uh next scene in the movie introduces us to the other tony danza in the cast that would be frank grillo yeah portraying frank <laughs> as soon
1: as i saw frank grillo i'm like okay this movie's gonna get real stupid uh, <laughs> i don't know why it set me off and i'm like i know who this dude is i'm like i think the movie's gonna get pretty silly well the the scene in iraq didn't help things
0: yeah um frank grillo occupies a, a very curious place in uh in film he's worked with the stooges by the way <laughs> oh you think? <laughs> <laughs> you think you <laughs> think you know leo's done a scorsese
1: movie no shit <laughs> no <laughs> do you know robert de niro's been in a scorsese movie huh
0: yeah you don't say <laughs> no <laughs> no frank frank grillo has worked with all the stooges yeah um but he occupies a, a strange place in Hollywood where he has a fantastic image. Um, like, he he looks great. Like, yeah. the camera loves him. Unfortunately, he looks too sinister to play, like, a standard leading man.
1: He does pretty good here. Like, I don't think he looks too sinister. He kind of reminds me of uh, Scott Atkins a little bit. Like, they have, like, a yeah. similar uh, look.
0: Yeah, he, he's a handsome guy. Uh, apparently, he did some modeling at some point in his life. He is passionate about martial arts. I don't know how good he actually is. I, like, he doesn't he doesn't move that well in the movies I've seen him in, but he's very, very passionate about them.
1: You see, I was expecting there to be more UFC fighters from this time in the movie, so when I first saw him, I'm like, is that a fighter? I can't remember. I, I couldn't remember. I'm like, I've seen this guy somewhere, but I wasn't sure. Uh, real quick, before we get off topic of uh, athlete models, wasn't Luke Rockhold uh, a model as well?
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was making more money modeling, as far as I know, yeah. um, and he probably should stick to that because you I. You got beat by Bisbee. I don't know. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of people that do a lot of talking about these things that know more than you and I do. Yeah. That seem to favor aesthetics a little more than maybe they ought to. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they look at him, and he looks the part, and they say very good things about him, and I keep seeing him not do all that great, and I keep thinking to myself, maybe he's done. Like, maybe he should just walk away.
1: Yeah, because that Bisping fight, he was not, he just, like, didn't give a shit. But the dude can kick, I'll give him that.
0: No, he. I mean, every athlete has their day, but you know, it's ticking clock, man. And especially if you've got other obligations, they're paying you better. Just fucking do that. Yeah, do that, like, dude. Like, seriously, there's no need. That's why Peyton um, Manning's
1: like, "Yeah, I'm gonna retire. I make 12 million a year on ads. Like, I don't need to do this shit." <laughs>
0: Nation- nationwide is on your side. Yeah. Right? Papa um, John's, you ever heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> shit. Shit. <laughs> Uh but yeah, Frank is uh Brendan's former trainer and uh, he's he's a very cerebral coach and that he, he plays classical music in the gym. That's the dumbest shit. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't think anybody actually does that. Nope. Like nothing nothing about the image of mixed martial arts makes me think that's a thing. Nope. Um but also from a rhythm standpoint, that would be kind of strange, honestly. Um for, you know, catching your own rhythm as a fighter and whatnot. But anyway, they they oh. have a kind of a reunion of sorts and frank is pushing back saying like hey man you're kind of (laughs) old like and also we got this tournament coming up this big sparta tournament who by the way um i have somebody who's going to be participating in it so i have to like be training them 24 7 so i can't really give you any special attention Uh, but eventually you know he comes around and he becomes a part of the gym um and following that we get a reunion uh, between patty and brendan Uh, so dad comes by in the middle of the night and they have a really really tense conversation on the front lawn that this was one of the scenes that made me feel icky yeah like in the good way where it's like good drama but it's like man i feel shitty nick
1: nick nolte does a really great job you really do feel bad for him but you do i i feel like we needed a little bit more of his back like what was actually happening because you feel sorry for him but you feel like at the same time you shouldn't but you don't know why like you
0: yeah, I mean, what what little we're given is that he probably laid hands on mom. Yeah. I, so so right there, that's real bad. Um, they the family broke when one of the boys was a teenager. Probably both boys were teenagers. So that's late in the game. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, and I think what we're supposed to take from his his drunken flare up towards the end is that's what it was, like that's what it looked like, and for a teenager or a child that would be absolutely terrifying yeah, trying to make sense of that is yeah it's not easy exactly that that's not good so i i personally got enough and yeah you feel so bad for him in this scene Could you because you really he, he, he's trying so hard to make good and apparently they just don't have the time of day for him i
1: was gonna say well I, i'm kind of on their side too little too late like dude you are yeah. pretty fucking old and you had a lot of like if you've only been sober for three years like that's a long time for them to be estranged
0: yeah, so the character dynamics make sense. Like, it doesn't feel like you're being cheated in, in any way. But this is, this is a very very good scene. It, um, and it basically ends with Brendan kind of. He says he forgives him, but it, it's so half-hearted that it may as well be nothing. Um, and he doesn't allow his dad into the home. Like, and he doesn't explain to his kids who that old man out on the front lawn tough. is. And you just, you just feel awful for the old man. But, like you said, you know he probably deserve some of i mean it. nick nolte is fucking terrified like i
1: don't know he's gotten like bigger as as he's gotten older not like fat bigger just like he looks he looks like uh, mickey rourke in sin city basically like he just looks fucking <laughs> big um <laughs> but he, there's something so fragile about him in this movie and it, it's i, I want to see him do a little bit more of this kind of
0: this kind of stuff i haven't really seen he's a he's a very very good actor um he had some bumps in the road for sure but for the most part he's very very talented and and yeah this was kind of a special role for him to take on because it allows him to really flex some serious muscles that he probably wasn't asked to do all the time and he he knocks it out the park there's a reason he was nominated uh, for best supporting but uh, following this we finally learn why tommy needs money and it's for a kind of weird reason uh yeah
1: this made no fucking sense either
0: yeah this was kind of silly honestly uh so he had a buddy in the marines who was killed and and we learn at the very end of the movie it was via some sort of friendly fire incident um and so he is committed to getting a fortune for this person's wife do the children do they not get any benefits or right, what i know what For we- real like a friendly fire <laughs> incident? He That family is taken care of, I would imagine. Do you know
1: how much more money you get in the military with dependents? You get quite a bit more. Uh, you get quite a bit more money. And if you die, they usually take care of you. But maybe maybe this is him saying, like, yeah, they tell you it's pretty good money, but maybe it's, maybe it's not. And I don't know.
0: It, it's not explained, but it seems a little strange that he would yeah. feel the need to get $5 million for this woman who... Seems to be living in a house, yeah. not a not a shitty motel or an apartment. She's got two kids, yeah. and he he's sending her money.
1: Well, it would make more uh, sense if like yeah, he died, like her husband died, and now she's got like one of the kids has got like cancer or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like something like that. Yeah, healthcare in America. So you know, <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, <laughs> it would, would make sense. It would just it would make a little bit more sense, as all. Yeah, um, and and also him joining this this huge tournament. Like, do you really need millions of dollars? <laughs> like, like you can just do some club fights like your brother. You could get road. a fucking job. Maybe go back to... <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean... I he is unemployable, maybe. I would probably
1: say. Yeah. You think? <laughs> Jesus.
0: I mean, how many pills... He had three vials of pills, and, uh, I know and it- <laughs> he's on the run. He's wall. I
1: know a homicidal dishwasher when I see one, and...
0: I mean, as soon as he takes his shirt off and you see all of Tom Hardy's actual tattoos...
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, he'd probably have to be 100 pounds lighter to are those, precisely fit that description. Are those his real
1: tattoos? <laughs> Pretty sure. Oh, I'm glad that somebody else has shitty tattoos like me.
0: <laughs> it's great. You, know, um, you can actually see in The Dark Knight Rises... Um, the, and the the makeup? The, yeah. Yeah, they have makeup applied to his shoulders. And that's my theory as to why the fight in the snow... Um at the very end of the movie, he's dressed for winter weather, so they didn't have to spend time covering all that, mm. even though it looks bane in a sweater just is not no. as threatening as bane with those sleeves no. <laughs> um, <I> remember <laughs> anyway I remember getting out of that movie and I'm like i gotta hit the gym dude i gotta I gotta, I gotta bulk up <laughs> we we all did though. we all put our we all put our uh, our fingers down our collar we completely
1: um, missed uh what I think is a really uh it's it's probably the most it was the toughest scene for me was when Nick Nolte goes to wake
0: uh, Tommy up in the morning. Yeah, that that was a rough one, um, where he he brings up the like the old like vision board or whatever they they drew up together, where it's like a, a childhood drawing of of him like as a kid flexing his muscles as a wrestler, and then they have like a progress bar of how many wins he has as compared to that Grecian wrestler Theogenes, and he's like trying to you know get back in that mindset of like hey we can go back to training like when you were a kid and you were happy and we were doing a thing together father and son and tom hardy just like completely shits Shuts in it down yeah it's pretty bad yeah i like the line when nick nolte leaves though he's like i hurt my knees walking up the stairs <laughs> I like, the coffee's on until five then i toss it like yeah 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 i was like and that's the other thing about nick nolte's characters he is supposed to be an ex-marine as well mm-hmm. and uh the terminology he uses when he goes into marine mode is like copy and so like so you can tell that oh, when even when yeah. he, when he thought things were fun between he and his son they probably weren't very fun no. <laughs> it was probably very regimented and uh, hard um, but we actually get a training montage at this point uh, so we have a whole bunch of people training for the sparta tournament which is uh, constantly referenced via um, U, uh, active and former ufc fighters doing like espn interviews i think with actual espn people and like don lemon pops up at some point in this movie <laughs> um but like rashad evans is like doing a panel interview during this month okay I, was, I think stephen bonner's in there as well i was like
1: i recognize i like that dude looks really familiar it kept it kept
0: coming to me yeah it, he's in a suit like he just says a little he just says a little sound bite um, but yeah we get a training montage with a bunch of like multicam shots did you catch it
1: did you catch what they're doing here uh they're like uh so tommy's video went viral it's a big deal and like and here we have uh, in the interview the guy's ass who got beaten i'm like wait you're interviewing fucking zangief i'm like i wouldn't take that interview why would you do that
0: yeah that that's that's not cool <laughs> like that's really not cool um that's that's how you get slapped um on on the air uh by an active mixed martial artist <laughs> but yeah we get a training montage where we get to see everybody going to work and uh, it's interesting because everybody else is just strictly training whereas brendan is continually fighting um to pay the bills um so the foreclosure is is looming um but this this whole sequence is pretty well cut together i don't know how i feel about the multicam stuff it, it's I difficult to follow visually
1: i didn't hate it like i know what you're doing it's a montage but yeah I, I think it was because each each little montage just wasn't really that exciting so it's like fuck it just put them all
0: up there i think that was the point where it's like we don't really have anything that's particularly thrilling here, so let's just condense it all into like three minutes and call it good. Um, I did. I really like the music that plays over the sequence, though. Um, the score was done by Mark Isham, who uh, you've definitely seen a movie he scored. Okay. Um, he has He has like 100-something credits. Did he do uh, Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, he did Star Wars. <laughs> uh, I did want to point out that uh, one
1: thing I did... Uh, like, was The National is the song that opens and closes this movie. Uh, I really like The National. They are a downer. <laughs> they are a downer band. They are a mood. Uh, but they're really, really good. And I was actually surprised to hear that at the top.
0: I I want to say that was a director's choice of oh, it some was. sort. Uh, oh, I read um,
1: apparently that uh, uh, when they were writing this film, uh, they had that movie, that song playing constantly. I don't know why. I don't know if that's true just what I read.
0: That would really bug me if I had to be in the room for that. Um, but whatever stimulates your writing brain, I guess. Um, you have to think about suicide
1: like, at least once listening to The National. like it, They're pretty depressing sometimes.
0: I have no idea what the lyrics are because they're so spaced apart that <laughs> I can't string them together. But the, the vibe, yeah, it is pretty dour. But I will give them this much. Uh, Gavin O'Connor, I want to say he probably storyboarded the closing minutes of this movie Uh, because as soon as the song picks up uh the editing there is like so precisely timed in such a way that's like yeah i think he saw i think he knew how he wanted to end this movie before they even started shooting it like he he put it together very precisely and it was definitely set to that song yeah
1: uh, it says apparently uh gavin (laughs) o'connor selected the song by the National to close the movie before writing the final scene. The scene was written with the song playing on a continual loop at O'Connor's house while the writers worked.
0: that torture? I'm pretty sure that's torture. I mean, that's one way of getting things done, I guess. If you want to leave, (laughs) if you want to get away from this, there's only one way out that door. Also,
1: our theory on military marketing. Uh, This was released on September 9th, 2011. 2000. Ah. Yes, 2011 there we go <laughs> yeah it's like is there a one that, yeah, yeah there's, there's one two ones <laughs> <that>. <laughs>
0: it's like one one would be creepy the other one's like okay that makes yeah, sense yeah yeah. <laughs> okay, so in this case it makes sense um but yeah during the montage everything comes to a close by the way the the music that plays over the montage is uh uh ode to joy um but it's a different composition it's like a reworking of it that has more of a percussive more action vibe to it it's it's fun i could work out to it um it's uplifting as well but at the end of the montage the uh like the person who's going to sparta who is in the same gym as brendan uh suffers some sort of leg injury i don't know if it's like a torn quad. it's a
1: pretty goofy scene
0: yeah um it, i like how the the multi-cam like it goes whoop. <laughs> <laughs> <I> was <laughs> so like, like a mario brothers <laughs> i'm like what's
1: frank grillo so pissed about it's a really it it's a dumb angry scene for an actor and then it just like we kind of pull back and then the guy holding his leg in agony
0: yeah it's a reveal of, a, <laughs> of, a, of an injured leg <laughs> oh that's pretty uh, stupid but this positions brendan uh to take his spot yeah uh, because he's the other you know most experienced person in the gym so he convinces frank to let him join sparta so now we have a situation where both brothers again we have initially we had like four people basically yeah. from within x number of miles of each other who are going to this tournament out of 16 but now both brothers are confirmed to be joining the tournament and uh, we all head off to i think one of the trump resorts in uh, atlantic city (laughs) jersey
1: Jersey, the jersey boardwalk uh yeah i was actually there uh not last summer but the summer before uh i went up there to see uh warp tour had a had a reunion they they brought it back for one year Two-day thing, a lot of fun. The boardwalk is fucking long. I didn't realize how long that thing is. We walked the whole thing. It's crazy long.
0: Yeah, I'd like to do that someday. I've got family not too far from there, Ah. as far as I know. But, um, yeah, all the fighters assemble, and Tommy does his thing where he doesn't do press, uh, so we get to see a whole bunch of interviews. This is where I caught that extended shot of the tap-out guys just, like, kind of schmoozing with Nick Nolte. This is where we have (laughs) the
1: big cameo, or the big scene with... uh... O'Connor
0: yeah uh, Gavin O'Connor, our director uh, he, he gets he gets a lot more screen time than he probably needs to. Um, I don't exactly know why It's kind of funny because his character seems like he's supposed to be like so Dana White occupies a particular um, role in the public. <laughs> he's, he's generally not well liked um, but there he has a, a kind of a parallel in the MMA world uh, Scott Coker who runs uh, Bellator and he's generally liked. Um, I want to say that uh, this J.J. J. Riley character who's entirely fictional uh, that Gavin O'Connor is playing, I want to say he's probably supposed to be analogous to like a Scott Coker, mm. somebody who's like doing it for the love of the sport or something, as opposed to Dana White, who, as far as I understand, does not care very much for the human race. So. Uh, but anyway, uh, this is where we get a, a news report where the Marine who we saw earlier, who had recognized Tommy uh, from the youtube video uh does an interview and uh, everybody's in their hotel room so nick Nolte's watching the tv and he sees this talking about his son and apparently tommy uh like ripped the door off like an apc or something he ripped
1: say, the door off a tank <laughs> that's impossible
0: <laughs> as, as brian callan would say yes um yeah it, that is impossible yeah. especially considering the, the fighters in this movie are 185, um, and Tom Hardy is barely—he's probably just there. <laughs> like,
1: maybe Ogre from uh, Revenge of the Nerds could rip the the
0: hit. like the character, not Donald. Yeah. Gibb yeah. <laughs> maybe
1: Donald Gibb. I don't know, but it would take like that, ca- like big dude with the perm from the 80s. That's what you need to rip a tank, like rip the lid off a tank. <laughs>
0: yeah uh so we learned that tommy saved this marine who's doing the interview and some other folks from drowning by tearing the door off a tank as brian callen says many times in this film um and he's he went awol for reasons that as far as i know haven't been entirely explained at this point but basically he has this opportunity to make make a big stink in the press but he's shying away from it um so he runs out of his uh hotel room um and we get a funny scene here. And this is strangely edited. So the phone rings as he leaves the, as he leaves the hotel. And we get an ADR of Nick Nolte saying, Brendan? Yeah. <laughs> and then cut to the, like, literal Jersey Shore. And these two brothers find each other. I, I, did they have a meeting set up?
1: It's made no sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, from a dramatic standpoint and, like, a visual standpoint, it looks kind of cool like the lighting's kind of neat and you know it's a it's an empty beach at night uh set amid like the atlantic city skyline so it it looks cool but how (laughs) like like tommy took off in a huff he didn't say anything about where he was going and it was daytime when he left it looked like it (laughs) so somehow they just they they had bro sense and they found each other
1: and again we don't get much else other than their mom died of cancer. And I thought they were going to get into it here cuz this is t- Tom Hardy's like really like you look like he it looks like he could snap at any second. And I'm not sure if they both left and then or like Tommy left with his mom and Joel and Joel uh Brendan went with his uh girlfriend at the time. That's the best I could get out of this
0: as far as i understand you you got okay it. um the way i understood it was that uh both brothers were really unhappy with dad because he was probably beating mom Ish. and they came up with a plan the three of them to skip town ah. and abandoned dad and apparently brendan felt too strongly he's he was too close with tess his girlfriend at the time so he didn't want to leave town so he stuck around and also during the exchange he had with his dad uh, on the lawn uh, the, the tense exchange they had earlier in the movie, he said that he was jealous of the wrestling relationship that uh, Tommy had with, with Dad. So that was another motivation factor for him to stay. Yeah. Um, and apparently Dad didn't get any better. Um, but Tommy feels betrayed because the plan was... By the way, Brendan's the older brother. Yeah. Um, so Tommy left town with Mom alone, and apparently Mom was dying and didn't tell anyone at the time she had cancer Uh, so the two of them went to the complete opposite end of the country and uh, by the way mom died in Tacoma Uh, so she found her way out here to the Pacific Northwest. It's
1: a good place to die.
0: Anyway uh, Tommy was really upset uh, because he needed his older brother to be like a support system and handle the rougher aspects of you know living with a dying mother and stuff and he had to do it all on his own which is probably why he ran away to the military probably around the time she died um and brendan's pissed because uh he didn't even know mom was sick let alone died mm-hmm. um so he felt betrayed they both feel betrayed by each other um and yeah uh, the both of them their their acting performances here like like you said tom hardy has he has like an animalistic quality to the way he carries himself and in particular like it's kind of a weird thing to like key in on because this has nothing to do with acting. This is more just like physiology. Uh, His eyes are pitch black. Mm -hmm. Um, And for conveying the look of a dangerous person, that's a really good way of doing it. I think it's why he's always so menacing. Like any, any performance, he just always
1: has that look about even in inception. Like he was kind of like a, like, like the the Brad Pitt and Ocean's 11 like he was just kind of the the cool guy but still he had like a a, a weird I think it was his his back and forth with uh what's his face uh kid i can't stand Don John
0: <laughs> Oh uh
1: Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt it. yeah like cuz they had like little, he had a little snide remarks to him in there but yeah he's he's just a he's a scary looking dude
0: He's a phenomenal actor um he seems to th- he seems to thrive on playing oddball characters like he doesn't like to be put in a box, and uh, one thing I've noticed that's kind of interesting about his characters is like he oftentimes does play intensely aggressive and just downright scary people, but it's like always it's always some form of like focused aggression. Mm-hmm. Because in this and in like Bronson and in in The Dark Knight Rises, like Bane and stuff, like he has this thing where he's often very polite to the people he has no problems with, yeah. and then as soon as as soon as you put him in front of the person that he's got beef with. Like totally different demeanor, yeah. and it's very disarming because it's not even the matter of like flicking a switch. It's just like it's just seamless, um, and it's really it's really fun to watch. Because like even in this, like Tommy's kind of a dick. He is a dick. Like, he's he's a brat. I mean, guys he's like kind of a punk.
1: Fucking sixteen when this happened. Like this is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, no, it it the math adds up. Like his character and his performance is is solid like it all makes sense but i just think it's cute that like when he's being served coffee at the diner and he's stuff so he's so polite like, oh, he's like oh thank you i know <laughs> i noticed that as well i'm like he was so <laughs> polite to her but i want to say that's the thing that tom hardy does in a lot of his roles where it's like like in the dark knight rises uh the guy who's holding his motorcycle helmet when he's leaving the stock yeah. exchange thank you, thank you. <laughs> like, and he's, he's like i don't have a problem with you it's all just this guy <laughs> this motherfucker <laughs> Uh, do you feel in charge? Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. I like, it, only when it's appropriate. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you something when it's appropriate. It's the second best yeah. part of
1: that movie. Um, yeah, we are. Do you want to talk more about
0: their beach talk? No, I'm, okay. I'm about done there. But okay. Yeah, the, there's some shit going on at the school where the kids want to support their teacher, and Kevin Dunn's like, "Fuck, fuck, kids, you can't be doing that." And then, of course, he he you know does the opposite and he ends up joining them but um I, I really did like watching Kevin Dunn cheer yeah because he, yeah. He, like the man is very good at expressing rage and joy See, I, I was getting
1: a chuckle because I was thinking of uh, them getting the shots like just uh, okay now you're really excited for this scene okay let's take that again all right let's take that again all right, let's take that again. I'm just picturing him just going for a good half hour or an hour just in the in the living room. To well, do just it.
0: that one shot of him in the living room, yeah. like
1: yelling at his wife,
0: like, Brent, did it! He did it, baby! He did it! Yeah. And she's like, oh, that's
1: great, honey. That also kind of rude I don't like Kevin Dunn like that. I need him... He needs to be angry when he's raising his voice. You
0: need him behind a desk yeah. is what you need.
1: Him <laughs> excited about something positive. I'm like, no, 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 no.
0: I, I don't want him po- like happy about things. God, we're getting close to having to do a Kevin Dunn month. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that would consist of. I was
1: actually going to, I was, gonna, I was thinking of am like, uh, Nick Nolte kind of in the same boat as like Gary Busey. Like, I, I feel like that'd be kind of a fun month. A Busey month.
0: Fun fact, while I was watching the movie, uh Trivia, he and Jerry Busey are good buddies. I'm not surprised. <laughs> They're very similar. <laughs> Daddy likes the hooch.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Meatball sub. Two of them. Utah.
1: Oh, man. Utah. <laughs> Lethal Weapon 1, Point Break. That What's the one with uh Wesley Snipes? I can't think of it. Is it Drop Zone?
0: Is he in Drop Zone? Am I thinking... That may be a different area, <laughs> maybe. He um, may hour. be a zone. I'm not sure.
1: Anyway, um, I digress. Anyway,
0: uh, so we're finally at the tournament. And it's a 16-man tournament. I think it's like five million dollar prize. And our hosts, and I want to say this was very intentional. Uh, we have two fellas, um, basically portraying the equivalent of the Mike Goldberg and the Joe Rogan of this particular event, um, and. In place of Joe Rogan, we have Brian Callen as Brian Callen. Oh gosh,
1: dude! He unless he's doing the Greek character that he do, or the Israeli character that he does in Todd Philip movies, you can just get rid of him. I I, I don't think I like him at all. Like, okay, we're not gonna get Joe Rogan. It's not gonna happen. I'm like all right, well, what's the next best thing? Maybe printed shop? like he's uh he's kind of on the outs a little bit i think he could probably do it okay no we're not gonna get him okay is there any ufc fighter who's competent enough to act like a commentator for a little while we got nothing what's the next best thing i don't know that fucking guy from mad tv get him in here
0: i mean you should have gone with will sasso (laughs) (laughs) honestly yes
1: will sasso would have done a better job Ah, I love Will Sasso. I do, too. Uh, that Super Troopers 2 is not... It's fine. It's okay. But Will Sasso is really funny in there.
0: Uh, but, yeah, we have Brian Callen doing a Joe Rogan impression, essentially. Um, a, <laughs> well, kind that's of a kind of what his think. life is honestly That's yeah career he's career kind is. of been riding his coattails and i think brian callen we i don't even know if we're allowed to talk about him anymore i don't, he he had some stuff go on pretty well, recently nothing's
1: happened with chris delia so i don't know what the fuck's happening apparently he left the fighter and the kid so is it just theo vaughn now hanging out with brendan Schaub? uh
0: i don't even think he's hanging out with him anymore Jeez. brendan has no friends um <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah uh the first round of the tournament is Tommy versus some guy who gets KO'd in one check hook. Oh so yeah. He goes to sleep immediately. Mean, not this not actually the a, yeah. <laughs> this actually sets a funny uh, precedent for the, for the proceedings in the tournament where uh, Tommy's uh, schedule in this tournament is real easy. Yeah. Like I don't know how he was seated, but uh, he got lucky because <laughs> he, he barely breaks a sweat um, as he progresses through the tournament. But uh, following him, uh Brendan gets matched up uh with Anthony Rumble Johnson, uh who as I mentioned at the top of the recording, it actually uh, has a fight coming up in Bellator very, very soon. Uh this guy was infamous for being like one of the most like hellacious strikers uh, of of his day. Like he I believe he's a light heavyweight oh, primarily, okay. but he Like a Chuck of yeah, uh, no, he may have been middleweight as well, but he, he moved up and down in weight. I think he's at light heavyweight right now. But anyway, this is this guy was an active UFC fighter during this production, um, which is always a curious thing in film uh, because the UFC really loves to loan their talent to movies because it boosts their public profile. It, it's free advertising, basically. Yeah. Um, but the thing that's always questionable when you have active athletes, especially fighters, in movies is that... Uh, you're choreographing fight scenes, mm-hmm. like very physical things where shit could go awry. And it always makes me think like how hard are they allowed to go? Because their body is trained to go well it's not even that it's the potential for injury oh yeah that's true it's like what if you take a bad step and you pull something or you injure yourself that's your that's your livelihood i mean that's why like I'm, why would you give it away to some shit movie
1: that's why i don't like watching preseason that's I'm to jordy nelson a wide receiver for the packers he he fucking tore his acl in a preseason game it's like fuck now he's out for the season for a game that did not matter it did not <laughs> matter at all so yeah, if I was a professional athlete, I'm like I'm not doing shit in movies. Like you would have to, I think a lot of them probably have contract stipulations where they can't do stuff.
0: Yeah, I I want to say that's true. And actually, when it comes to like fight movies, like the kind of stuff I like, like martial arts movies and stuff, it's it's a always a curious thing because like the the name recognition and like just the having a minor celebrity athlete in a movie, it does put asses in seats, and so I I can see the appeal there, but you very seldom see outstanding performances from any of them and i want to say it's mostly because they can't do really really scary choreography because it's just too damn risky see i like maybe maybe if you're retired or something sure go nuts but if you're an active fighter fuck that
1: i was gonna say i think michael jordan i watching that uh you you have netflix right i do not oh God, dude, you're missing out on that uh, that Bulls documentary. It's It's
0: come up in like literally every podcast I've so listened to for the past fucking year. fucking good. It's I've <laughs> I seen know, it twice. I know, I've heard about it's it. It's incredible. So God damn. Uh
1: but when he was doing Space Jam, I don't think he was actually playing basketball. So what he did was he had like all of his well, quote-unquote buddies, dudes from the NBA that would just come and he's like I I want he was getting back into shape to play basketball. He had quit baseball at the time. So I think that's probably one of the only reasons why he could do Space Jam was because he wasn't doing basketball at that time. He had retired.
0: Yeah, that's more than likely true. Yeah. And, you know, that man took his basketball pretty fucking seriously. So He I, takes I everything fucking seriously. This <laughs> is <laughs> paper airplanes. <laughs> He'll bet
1: you, I'll bet you $1,000 I will get my paper airplane past yours. And you better pay up because he will collect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, this fight is... a. Uh, in stark contrast to tommy's like which was concluded with a single punch um this fight is harrowing and it goes about two rounds and it's we're meant to believe that brendan's kind of getting his ass whipped a little bit it's mostly on the feet a lot of leg kicks uh, that brendan is eating and not especially checking um but eventually his uh his jiu-jitsu comes into play very suddenly uh, in the second round and he manages to pull a win a very unexpected one on uh, rumble, um, and then uh, we get an element in this tournament which we haven't been talking about, but it's been advertised in the movie pretty much since the beginning. There's a there's a shark swimming in the water in this whole movie uh, by the name of Koba, who is a Russian character who seems analogous to Fedor Emelianenko, the you know legendary Russian heavyweight yeah. uh, MMA guy uh, who kind of petered out there at, at the end, uh, Was th- as portrayed by Kurt. Angle. was Fedor the guy was he the tall one was that Fedor I can't remember I uh, he was kind of, he actually looked kind of funny he because he he was like bald or balding no, okay no and he looked he was kind of he was kind of soft um and he had kind of a dopey expression most of the time but for the longest time he was undefeated and just this legendary beast that could never yeah, be Fedor. overcome um,
1: yeah, he, there was an th- another Russian MMA fighter I'm thinking of where he's one of those guys that he has like the dumb Eastern European haircut, and he has like the worst looking physique. Like he's just like tall and like no ass, like just kind of a just just a kind of a tall guy. But the dude was an incredible striker. Like he just had crazy power. And I can't think of what he's like. It's it's kind of like Fedor's name. It's like I don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm never gonna find the dude. But I'll I'll see what I can do. <laughs>
0: yeah you you try to look him up i can't nothing comes to mind when i think tall i always think of stefan struve um he was i think from the netherlands um he was like legit seven feet um but andre orlovsky had a he had a decent body on him like he he didn't he didn't look like what you're describing yeah. but he definitely was pug-faced and uh i believe russian if not you know eastern european but anyway it's neither here nor yeah, there sorry. um So, Koba has been talked about um, and and seen uh, throughout this entire movie. And like I said, he's basically the Fedor equivalent. So, the idea is he's this Russian destroyer who's being brought into this tournament for the big payday. And he's undefeated in the fiction of this film. And he's seated as, like, you know, the guy to beat, basically. Nobody can think of, nobody can conceive of anyone in this tournament beating him. Uh, So, we get to see him, again, as as portrayed by former Olympic olympian and wrestling legend kurt angle who funny enough i think is from pennsylvania so maybe there's a connection there um uh we get to see him clean house in fact he does a jackknife power bomb on somebody yeah dude that's (laughs) the thing that was driving me nuts were the throws
1: and takedowns these takedowns are insane this rarely if ever happens in mma
0: Yeah, so he straight up does kevin nash's finishing move on a dude in in a cage. It's it looks fucking amazing, but yeah, this this almost never ever happens.
1: It's uh, Alexander Amilianko. Oh, I was not aware of him. I think it
0: I'll have to look him up. He's the younger brother of Fedor. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So he's part of the He's he's the somewhere. Grim Reaper. Yeah, he yeah, sorry, go ahead. Uh but yeah, uh, we get to see Koba just wreck all sorts of shit. Um, and then I believe the rest of that day of the tournament, cause it's a 24 hour tournament, uh, single elimination. And funny enough, the, uh, I don't think it's 24 hours, but the, the Yoel Romero and Anthony Johnson fight is a tournament. Mm-hmm. I love tournaments, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love brackets. They, they make me all warm and fuzzy inside. Um, uh, but yeah, this is a 24 hour tournament. Um, much like how the original UFC was done. I believe that was like two or three rounds in one day. Um, and we just it everything plays out in montage, and we get to see that uh, both the Conlon brothers advance to the next day, and then we get oh my god some Nick Nolte stuff that just made me all sorts of teary eyed.
1: Yeah, um, it's pretty sad. It's I I think you were saying like he was nominated for an Oscar for this and this scene specifically, I think.
0: Yeah, it it's a back to back like gut punch where um he dad goes to visit Tommy uh, in the casino. Seemingly in like the wee hours of the morning or something. And Tommy's just like listlessly plugging coins into a slot machine. And uh, they have a verbal exchange here that's really awful. Uh, Tommy just rips into him and basically shreds any hope of a reunion. Like a, a proper reunion yeah. uh, between the two of them. And just the, the lack of dialogue from Nick Nolte and his facial expressions uh, really go a long way. And the the lensing in this scene, like again, this is an actor's film, despite it being about punching yeah. <laughs> and stuff. Um, the the lighting and the lensing here, like we get a lot of really good eye light on both performers, such that like the emotionality is really sold. Um, and then the follow up to that is uh, Nick Nolte uh, falling off the wagon <laughs> as as hard as one can. Dude,
1: I'm thinking back to Flight when. Denzel just pulls at the end of the movie. He pulls out that one liquor bottle, and it's such a funny cut. The next morning, it is he's drink all the liquor. Oh, you mean the slow motion? Oh my what? gosh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. Um, yeah. So one thing that they kept saying uh, that she's worried he's gonna die. Like that's something that keeps coming up. And even um, Joe Rogan's buddy uh, Brian Callan's like this is dangerous. He could die doing this. I'm like no he's not like it's not going to happen i don't know why this is a big thing in this movie
0: uh because to the general public that's that's a thing that gets thrown out there a lot that's a that's a general worry um however as far as i understand to date no one has ever died in mixed martial
1: arts i'm more worried about people dying in football if you think somebody's gonna die i'm like that's where it's at they're gonna fucking break their neck
0: yeah you know we're 300 plus pound guys charge at each other full force yeah. um, without any without any fear of reprisal uh, because one person's on offense one person's on defense. Have,
1: have you seen Jackass where they have Jared Allen, he was uh he was a linebacker for many years in the NFL and they had him tackle Johnny Knoxville and he fucking lays him out and he goes, "Listen guys, football is a sport about physics. Speed and velocity equals that." And he's like 260 pounds going full sprint at Johnny Knoxville.
0: I think he knocked him out <laughs> going 27 miles an hour or whatever. Whew, yeah. Scary Jesus. stuff. Uh, reminds me of a, a story that I, I watched on a video the other day. Scott has Adkins accidentally kicking a guy in the, in the solar plexus and the way they described it was magical. So I guess this guy collapsed outside the frame cause he wanted to save the shot. Um, and he like put his, his palms against his forehead and went into the fetal position and he's, he's just like, oh, my God, all the heat in my soul is coming out of my skull right oh. now. And he was just, like, laying in the grass in, like, zero-degree temperature, Oof. just curled up while the camera was still rolling. <laughs> I felt so bad. But they got the shot. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, Nick Nolte falls off the wagon. And, and yeah, it, it does bring flight to mind, for sure. <laughs> but, also, how does um, Tommy have
1: money? That's what, something that threw me off. How the fuck does he have money?
0: I don't know, man. Maybe he sold those pills. <laughs> <laughs>
1: How's he buying pills? Is he paying for a gym membership? I don't know. It, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, I mean, he signed up for that gym membership. How much is $35 a month for a gym membership? Is that reasonable?
1: That's beyond reasonable.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why he's paying for gym dues. Maybe maybe he got like a stipend from the gym or something because he got into the tournament. I don't know.
1: Do you know how much a CrossFit gym costs a month?
0: No, I've never had a gym membership except oh. for a police athletic league where I, I was not obligated to pay, but I. You did. were encouraged. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we take donations? <laughs> yeah.
0: No, no joke. That's what it was.
1: <laughs> a, cro- a CrossFit gym in a major city is going to cost $200 a month. Holy shit. Yeah.
0: No wonder I have so much chump change laying around. It's a lot. Because <laughs> I don't do that. No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's, 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 but you get, you get a trainer. Everybody has a trainer, basically, or coach. Yeah.
0: Man, now, how do people live in Seattle? <laughs> oh, man. If
1: you can afford bump just buy your own bumper plates if you want to do CrossFit. You'll be fine. Uh,
0: but yeah, the scene in the hotel room is, this is Oscar Real stuff. It's also intensely sad because Nick Nolte is once again listening to his Walkman, and uh, he's <laughs> listening to his uh, Moby Dick. And he is just muttering incoherently uh, to himself about uh, they're they're lost. Uh, the ship doesn't. Uh, we need to right the ship. We don't know where where we're going. And he's just bawling. But there's this one moment that it's like this is why he was nominated, probably, where he uh Tommy just kind of opens the neighboring door and is just standing in the doorway watching all this shit happen. And then his dad turns around and steps to him and is looking straight through him and screaming about having like you bastard like we're lost we need to turn the ship around but he he does it in such a way where it's like if if tommy hadn't seen this enough times in his upbringing he he would be freaked the fuck out but because he recognizes what's happening like it should be this like really aggressive exchange between the two of them, but instead it just comes across as really pathetic Mm. and just so goddamn sad. Um, But it ends actually like there's some interesting like visual parallels here where I like how he kind of drags his dad into the bed and like makes himself into like a pillow for him. He just like wraps him up and just kind of like lovingly embraces him from behind. It's actually kind of fascinating how it's like, the body language looks reminiscent of like a wrestling hold or, or like a jujitsu grappling situation. So it's like, I don't know, maybe because of their shared history with wrestling and just the, the nature of their relationship. Like this is, this is how they connect Mm. like on this very visceral, very physical level. But, uh, basically without any words spoken, it's understood that like the two of them are getting, they're getting there, but there's some bumps in the road. Um, but, yeah, the tournament resumes. we got some more Brian Callen horse shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Brian Callen a- with his
1: fucking mouth. Just na 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 Yeah. It's
0: just on and on and on. Um, and then we get a rematch between Mad Dog and uh, Tommy, who are from the same gym, which I would imagine is often discouraged. Like, to, to pit your own fighters against each other I in a professional environment.
1: think it would be discouraged to fight your brother, uh... I mean, are these guys go. I mean, it works in this because they are fucking going for it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's like that fight scene between Woody Harrelson and uh, Matthew McConaughey in True Detective. I mean, he's throwing his ass
0: against the truck. <laughs> I mean, that spear he starts things off with.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. A fun- I mean, that
0: that's like some my cousin Vinny shit. <laughs> yeah, that was some,
1: there was some rage, but I actually like this. This was really funny. I thought this was gonna be a legit fight for a minute, but Tommy just beats Zangief's ass again. Uh, and then he goes. They should have stopped this fight way sooner than they did. Uh, this is how people die <laughs> it's because you're like, I think he's out. I'm like, his head's bouncing off the fucking floor. Like, I think he's done. Uh, yeah, and he just like runs out of the out of the octagon after he just lays waste to this
0: guy. Yeah, that's his thing, and I, I think that's another thing that with a certain crowd, um, this aspect of the character resonates with them. Uh, where Tommy has no pageantry like in his game, where he he has no he has no music during his ring walk. Uh, he basically doesn't have a corner, like he doesn't have like a cut man or an advisor of any sort. And when he wins, he just leaves the cage. Yeah, he's a real like, They don't man. even. He doesn't let them risk like lift his arm or anything. It's. I get what they're doing, but it comes across as like, I don't know, a little bit emo. To it's be fucking <laughs> stupid.
1: Uh, I'm all about yeah. sportsmanship. I uh, I think that that makes it better. And this yeah, this horse shit that he's pulling, on, I won't have it
0: well like i said this is an american film and unlike crying fist what we're trying to do here is we're trying to position him as our our antagonist like we're trying to give the audience a reason to dislike him just enough so that when we get to the end we don't have to be terribly worried about who we need to be rooting for
1: i already disliked him like i already don't like tommy as the character
0: yeah again we're trying to paint things in very black and white terms um but yeah, uh, that fight goes very, very quickly. And we also get to see that the, the school has rallied behind their teacher, and they have like a drive a drive in theater set up to screen the fight. Yeah. And Kevin Dunn shows up. That's kind of cool. Uh, so he joins the, the kids and rallying behind Brendan. And then we get the COBA fight. <laughs> uh, so we get yeah, Kurt Angle. This is a fucking ass beating
1: uh <laughs> i don't know how the fuck he came out on top man i think nunez beat ronda rousey less, less less than this like this is a fucking smackdown
0: well yeah it, it's like nunez and rousey except for rousey like keeps having she has like three extra lives <laughs> three or something extra <laughs> <rounds>. <laughs> it's like she has three rounds of getting her ass stopped so it's like she goes out cold then they like Shock her awake and fight her back out. There. I was watching
1: this after this fight was over. I'm like I got, I'm like, I watched that fight. I'm like, yeah, has uh, spent less time beating Ronda Rousey than Kurt Angle is whomping this dude's ass.
0: Yeah, uh, in terms of like execution, I want to say this is probably the, the the best choreographed fight in the whole movie.
1: Yeah, because Tom Tom Hardy's fights aren't aren't good because he's no they're just so fast so when we get to him and joel edgerton it's so fucking it's too intense like he's i'm like you need to check in for meth because he has (laughs) he is all gas no (laughs) brakes man like there's no way that he gets this much gas in the tank
0: yeah uh, (laughs) it's a it's a straight mauling is what it is but um yeah it's an extended fight and uh, the music and the editing really play up the drama, where it's like, remember, Koba's supposed to be the best person in this tournament, like, better than Tommy, and in, in fact, but only difference is, uh, we have a, we have a a thing we're trying to do at the finale of this movie, and the only way to get there, is to make sure that both brothers get to the final bracket. Uh, so obviously, Brendan's going to win, but the the movie does a good job of making us doubt it. Like, he really does get his ass stomped into the ground. Yeah, I thought it was going to come down to, a,
1: like, I thought that Zangief was going to beat Tom Hardy, and then I thought that, uh, I'm like, well, he's not going to win, so I'm like, well, maybe Joel is actually going to lose this fight and there's going to be, like, some kind of consolation round or something where it's like, it's not a big deal to the crowd, but it's a big deal for them.
0: There was a neat thing they did in a Korean mixed martial arts movie that I brought up last week called uh, Fists of Legend. Where they they kind of find a way to have like this Koba type character in a tournament against a bunch of people who, by all rights, stand no chance against him. Buddies, yeah. But, yeah, except for those are our main characters. Ah, okay. Um And it's really cool because what they do is they have it so they come to a like nonverbal like just understood agreement between each other, that they all know they can't win, but they're all gonna wear that guy down so that one of them can beat him. Okay. And so the first guy who gets in there with him knows he has no chance. So instead of fighting, he just runs <laughs> and he does eventually lose. But the, the next person that gets put in there with him is like, thanks, bud. Like, like, I know we have our differences, but, you know, thanks for giving me a leg up because I honestly couldn't have beaten this guy without your help.
1: One of my assistant wrestling coaches gave us advice. He's like, you're ever in a bar fight and uh, the other guy's a smoker, just block just block for a bit they'll get gassed it, it, it won't take long
0: my boxing coach told me if you ever need to pick a fight with somebody like need to uh, do it after they, they're walking out of the gym oh yeah <laughs> cuz you said they'll be doing the two oh, case walk oh yeah <laughs> no if you try to get somebody on a leg day
1: whew, you're there's there's nothing honestly like hey, i've we- been nervous about that like i walking after like like after a workout or something, and I'm like, if somebody tried to like accost me right now, I'm like, I'd have to be like, dude, can you just not like I can't, I can't do it, I can't move. It's a legit fear I have.
0: No, but he always told me it's <laughs> like, yeah, if the guy can't bend over to tie his shoes, what's he gonna do to you? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's good. That's good advice. Yeah, it's it's fantastic advice, and unfortunately, the only fight advice my dad ever gave me was don't fall down <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or if you do get up yeah. <laughs> but anyway yeah the Koba fight i think is probably the the best executed fight sequence in the whole movie it has real drama to it kurt angle i think was an interesting choice because he's not a mixed martial artist no he is a wrestler down. yes 100%, he is a yeah. true olympic olympic wrestler mm-hmm. fantastic professional wrestler um I don't know if you've ever seen like I, any of his WWE okay, stuff. So he was there, fucking amazing.
1: There is a meme format. That, there's a couple of really good wrestling meme formats. Uh, the Undertaker standing behind I, maybe one of the Hardy Boys, I don't know. Uh, it, there's another meme format where Randy Orton sees, I think it's probably Undertaker or somebody coming down and Randy Orton's got like this holy shit there is, I remember watching a match where Kurt Angle had just won and he did his milk chug and he had milk all over his face and he had that like mouth drop, dropped open reacting to something. I look for it for like 10 minutes before this because I'm like, I've got to find. Someone had to have gotten a picture of that milk. It's the best and it's
0: nowhere. I don't know where I'm going to find it. Well, that's going to be my mission, Kyle. Oh, I will find that gift. Please, please find it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Kurt Angle, uh, outstanding wrestler in all regards. I think he was flirting with the idea of getting into MMA. Yeah, um, I don't know. But he was way too old yeah. to be jumping into that. I know guys like Randy Couture and others have carried on well into their 40s, but come on, man. You, his neck is fused. Like That man cannot... He's He's got Batman slash Robocop neck, um, and he's also got like the atrophy in his arms nowadays like he he was damaged goods there's no reason for him to do that but like even his wrestling style like pro wrestling style at this point in time he was incorporating mma into his into his move set so i I think he was probably training uh so he probably knew a technique or two but i think he was a very good choice uh because obviously um the physicality like he looks phenomenal but on top of that he's a performer like he has experience performing and and honestly that's what it takes to make good fights is Like, Anthony Johnson, sure, he's a tremendous fighter, but there's a very big difference between stage punches and real punches. But anyway, really good fight. Uh, Brendan wins via some form of leg lock, uh, and it takes everything he has to win, and it's, like, this big miraculous moment. Uh, And then uh, following that, and it's a very long fight, by the way, (laughs) Um, following that, we finally get the big reveal of uh, what went on with Tommy's uh, Friend's wife? Well, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> but uh, it's nothing special. Basically, she gets interviewed on TV. It's actually reminiscent of Die Hard. When, oh, come uh, Dickla- home! When, yeah. yeah, when when Dickless outs uh, the Mac- the McLean family <laughs> secret to <Yeah>. Hans. <laughs> this is McLean. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's not really too much of a big reveal here. Like nothing that you you didn't miss anything, Kyle. Basically, she she does a an interview and it it airs nationwide and somehow the people in the stadium during the tournament watch this i i I don't care like what kind of broadcast team you have like how multifaceted or capable they are they're not going to be watching fucking cnn while they're doing a live telecast probably a pay-per-view event (laughs) it it, the
1: military stuff does not add up i don't know if you've ever seen the movie stop loss they treat Uh, the dude going AWOL and that, like, he's a fugitive. I'm like, that's not how they react to these kinds of things. Like, it's not that it's not that bad. But the way they treat it in this is very strange, because it's like if he's actually AWOL, if he's actually a deserter, and it's come to their attention early on that this is a guy, they would have already got him into custody. But then the dude is, like, thanking him for saving him and then, at this point, it would be news that there's a guy fighting who is, you know, AWOL. And you wouldn't have the Marine Corps singing his praises when he comes into to uh, fight. So, I'm like, do you do you know what you're even doing? Like, I don't... It, it was driving me insane. I'm like, I don't know what you're trying you, to do with this.
0: You would think you would be disgraced. Yeah. Uh, by the by the institution.
1: And the like, it, I, think about the filmmaker, too. Let's think about, like, the kind of films he does. You're like, why are you having a character like this it's very strange we don't even get a good reason for why he's a wall
0: we do um it's actually said in passing but it's very strange um, i didn't like, catch that it it's a important detail but it's like one that uh, maybe the film itself is uncomfortable getting into because it is kind of inflammatory so apparently what went down is a uh, his friend this woman uh this woman's a uh, husband uh, his friend in the marine corps Uh, was killed in a friendly fire incident and then he went AWOL and while he was trying to flee flee the base or whatever um, he somehow came across that unit that was in danger of drowning so he stopped along the way to save them but he left because his friend was killed for you know unseemly reasons Uh, so he was angry with the marine corps um, and here they are that's not not a reason sure (laughs) yeah it's a weird reason and uh it's also weird like you said that we have him being decried on television as you know having abandoned his post and whatnot and also being like literally sung to by, (laughs) by a whole host of marines who are in the stadium during his fights so the movie can't quite decide what it's trying to say here about the military and this character's relationship to that in particular it's yeah uh, because he still seems kind of reverent towards the marine corps no he, from time to he's time he's
1: like Are, did you serve he's like no i didn't serve He's like well then you're not my brother i'm like wait what like what is
0: th- yeah and he he even gives them like a nod when they're singing the marine yeah corps him i caught that i'm like well wh- what the fuck yeah it yeah, it's like if he's legit that angry like wouldn't he express that towards that you know organization or something but it's we, crazy. you think.
1: could completely pull the marine thread out of this movie and it would make so much more sense and actually it would be so much better if you just completely remove that
0: i i'm inclined to agree honestly um it, it's just muddled it, it's a little too much going on um but the the real thing that comes from this this interview is that uh his real name is outed to the public Uh, So he was going by Tommy Reardon, his mother's maiden name, Uh, but now it's revealed that, oh, hey, Tommy Conlon. Uh, So now we have a situation where the two finalists in this MMA tournament are biological brothers. Uh, Two snakes. Two snakes. in each other, (laughs) but they're (laughs) one. Kyle is desperate to get Conan the Barbarian on the show at some point. I know, I know. Uh, I would like to as well, but I, I don't think april was appropriate that's my personal opinion you can fight me on that if you like it's okay but, uh, i'm looking forward to talking to to nick again though yeah uh, regardless of what we talk about but uh yeah so we have a couple of marine corps guards posted outside of tommy's dressing room now because they're getting ready to take him into custody following whatever happens in this. they night. would
1: take him into cu- if they're gonna take him into custody they're gonna take yes. him into custody now dude they don't they don't give you a grace period
0: yeah, they got tasers and shit. They give <laughs> zero
1: fucks about anything that's happening in your personal life.
0: Well, then again, he's in front of a, a bunch of cameras and, you know, public relations and stuff. I could I could actually see that maybe changing things up a bit, especially with that many marines in the stands. Eh, maybe. It's like, uh, oh, the tournament's been called because of this guy. <laughs> it's all nonsense, but yeah. It is all nonsense. This is this is where this shit turns into Hollywood schlock where brian callan gets to say the trailer line of the two people at the head of our tournament are brothers it's like again like what i mean by like hollywood schlock is yeah that's really really far-fetched but like in terms of marketing why would you put that in your trailer i don't know because i remember the trailer and yes that was a trailer line it's like i don't want to know that i want to figure that out (laughs) (laughs) but it it's not a bad movie it's not that bad it it just has some <laughs> sore spots it has some weak points to it but i i honestly don't think it's a very bad movie i I do think the performances buoy it mostly yeah but um the writing this, is uh, what this, brings it down yes i yeah you, you hit the nail on the head the, the writing's not great the delivery of said writing is very good though yeah um but yeah this uh this final battle here um, oh it's I'd a like battle build up to <laughs> It, it, it's funny because it does actually feel like a, a brotherly scrap at times. <laughs> it's just like it's all just it's like emotional. Anger, theory. yeah, just yeah. hatred, yeah. <laughs> um, I like when they touch gloves and uh, a very simple where's pop um, because uh, Tommy has come down to the ring with no entourage whatsoever. Um, I don't think they allow you to do that because... Your face is gonna to get torn up at some point and something should probably be done about that. Yeah, I'd like to have some guys um, in my corner. Yeah, it would be nice, you know, just to just a chat. Yeah. <laughs> Anything really, but um dad was too badly hung over to show up. Um and also just from a visual standpoint, this makes sense where it's like this is Tommy actively isolating himself, like emotionally or otherwise. Um, and Brendan on the other hand like has now has his wife in this corner and his lifelong trainer and it's, it's very heavily symbolic um, so good visual storytelling there but yeah the majority of this fight is Tommy just beating the shit out of his brother um, just beating the brakes off of him and uh, it's not until uh, a very sudden development in I think the third round where uh, Brendan just manages to slip out from under him and very sneakily put him in I think it's like a Kimura. I'm not sure what he um, puts him in. And he, he dislocates his shoulder. Oh, break
1: it, Pepe Le Pew. Yeah, he, 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 br- he <laughs> dislocates it. or does something. Yeah, <laughs> I guess he does dislocate it. Because the rest of the time he's like Ace Ventura with the noodle arm. <laughs> the rest of the fight.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I'm pretty sure they do allow you to do this. I, I was going to ask you about that. I'm like, I don't feel like they would let you do that. I, I know for a fact it has happened, Maybe. but I don't. I can't recall if those contests were halted at some point. I um, due due to evidence of someone being in, unable to defend themselves. It's like an
1: Asian match where I think I think it was a lady got her arm dislocated and they put it back in. Then she went back at it. Uh, hockey, if you break your nose, they'll just like fix it real quick and go back out there. They don't give a shit.
0: Yeah, a, a limb being broken or dislocated, though. Um, I know for a fact I have seen people have this exact injury happen and the fight didn't immediately end but i can't exactly recall what the circumstances were for how the fight was called like if they were like beat down after that or if the ref saw that they were unable to defend themselves and they waved it off i can't remember
1: i would call i would throw in the towel i'm like you know what let's just go ahead
0: and i mean just just in terms of your balance you're so incredibly compromised yeah like like you're 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 a lame duck at that point you're you're just a sitting duck at that he's point. just gonna but be yeah, doing he... sonya swings at that point
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh folks at home if you don't know what you're talking about um just just look up uh was it bridget wilson's warm-up routine? yes for
1: fighting kano yeah
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> great stuff oh, those those hot pants and uh all the boob tape in the world <laughs> a lot of tape yeah uh um, but yeah, uh, we have a, we have a situation here where Tommy's shoulder has been dislocated at the bell. Um, so nobody's quite aware as to what happened. Um, point is he didn't tap. Yeah. So the fight has not been concluded. Uh, so we go to the next round and Frank is like giving his friend in a pep talk, like, Hey, just knock him out and let's go home. Yeah. And it takes him like a good solid four minutes to decide, like four minutes of beating the shit out of Tommy, like punching him everywhere on his person like seemingly intentionally avoiding vital spots just like hitting him for the sake of hitting him yeah again kind of like watching kids fight like little kids um and eventually uh your your song kicks in yeah uh Uh, and it's a good like 10 minute song or something (laughs) yeah it's a
1: while and it's pretty silly i I guess it's because it's more emotional because they're brothers but Basically, uh Joel Edgerton gets he, he keeps talking to him, he's like, Just give up, just stop this you want me to just keep doing this? I'll keep hitting you. And he finally gets uh Bane down on the ground and he's giving the choke and he's just kinda of whispering to him like, Just fucking just 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 give up, dude. Just fucking stop. I need you to stop, please. Can you just can you just stop? <laughs> and uh I and then I think he tells him he loves him, and I think that's what does it and it basically just it, it's like a Goodwill Hunting. Is like it's not your fault. Like we're just gonna we're just gonna push through this now, and he he ends up tapping.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a Hollywood moment. Yeah. It, it, I don't have a problem with the ending of this movie. I think it's well done. It's fine. Although if you do look beyond the events of the movie, Tommy is going to jail. You are going <laughs> to jail. <laughs> <laughs> like straight to jail. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the way it's edited and set to the music, it works really really well. Most of the sound is muted. Um, But yeah, he gets him down with a head kick and just rear naked choke, and there is significance in the fact that he taps as opposed to lets himself, lets the lights go out, you know, Mm -hmm. he could have just laid there until he went unconscious, but he does tap, so he does willingly accept defeat it's like dude you probably should have just whispered in your ear it's like I'll give you half the money Yeah, <laughs> we're brothers Yeah. <laughs> like, well, 70-30 you lost <laughs> I mean that's what you say after yeah. <laughs> yeah. after some after some pens have been put to paper and things are legally binding yeah. Um, but uh, yeah closing shots are everybody like them doing Tommy's routine of leaving the arena without accepting like congratulations or anything like that and slow motion of them like, sl- like slung over each other's shoulders, walking out of the arena. We also get Nick Nolte shedding a single tear mm-hmm. and watching his boys, ever so proud of them, leave the arena together. And uh, we uh, fade out as uh, we as the camera enters Tom Hardy's boob. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like like he literally puts his boob into the camera lens, and credits. Yeah, yeah. So that was Warrior. 2011 directed by one of the three stooges mm-hmm. probably the most prominent probably the mo he's the mo of, yeah yeah of the three stooges gavin o'connor um so yeah i guess this draws a close to sports movie month Kyle. Mm-hmm. it's a fun one we did some good work this month. yeah I'm proud of us yeah uh, a
1: <laughs> couple good ones uh then just one not great one um uh, vision Qu- i think honestly vision quest as far as entertainment value was probably my least favorite this was dumb this movie was dumb but it was dumb in a fun way because i was able to pinpoint I'm like well that's stupid like <laughs> i wouldn't have done that uh vision quest is just kind of boring uh it's kind of dull but its highlights are worth noting i think um uh, any Given Sunday is one of my favorite sports movies. It was a lot of fun. And uh, Crying Fist was uh, really good. I was surprised that I actually really liked that.
0: Yeah, so we had uh, we had an old, underappreciated classic to begin things. We had a controversial, insightful look at fictional football. Uh, we had a hidden gem mm-hmm. to form a Crying Fist. And uh, then we had a okay move yeah. <laughs> to, to conclude things. So we end with a whimper. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, I don't have a whole lot more to say about this one. So you want to call it good?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Uh, watch Miracle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I will, because I actually do think Gavin O'Connor has something to offer. Yeah. Um, and that's the one that like seems to be like universally regarded as a very good movie. So I'd, I'd like to go back and check that one out. Just,
1: uh, avoid uh, David Ayer. You, you don't need to deal with that.
0: Yeah, he every, It's funny because he's he's that guy that you know. Every time you bring him up, everybody says, "Huh, I liked Fury," and then Fury and was he, good. And he think, Fury was good. It Was good. But, and if you dig it all into that filmography, you're just going to be disappointed. You are. <laughs> we need more Joe Carnahan, less David Ayer. He to say that he part.
1: gave me a bad Jake Gyllenhaal movie. That doesn't really happen.
0: That is hard. It's hard to do. That man works hard. <laughs> uh but yeah that being said uh thank you so much for listening and um if you'd like to catch up on any of our other catching up on cinema content uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catching uh, we also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of an instagram at catching up on cinema as well as a twitter at catching cinema um and also the podcast is hosted on pretty much any platform you can imagine uh so google it um But that being said, thank you again so much for listening uh, to our Sports Movie Month, and we will catch you next time. Mm -hmm.